Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with the hilarious Joe List. Uh, let's get to it as quickly as possible, which is easy because there is no ad and uh, not fr- uh, not much, not funch, not Ron Funches for me to plug uh, myself. Just go to PeteHolmes.com and you can see uh, all the t-shirts that we have from every episode that we've ever done. Uh, including Not Feeling It, which I believe just went back into production. Also, uh, this coming Saturday, I am going to be in Washington, D.C. with Michael Shea and the amazing Judd Apatow uh, for part of the fest that's going down there. If you go to my Twitter, I just tweeted out the link uh, for tickets. And in the meantime, please enjoy the wonderful Joe List. Get into it. Thanks for having me. I'm gonna give you a hug. I'll take a hug. I'm sure I like a hug. I don't get enough hugs. Yeah, why don't people hug? Where do I go? If you don't mind sitting there, I like the the right. (laughs) You've already. You've already employed. We were just talking about how I never do backups, and I'm gonna do a backup today. But you've already employed one of my favorite comedy techniques, which uh, I'm just gonna put that between us. That's just to record a backup. Sure. you can wear those if you like. I love to. Is having an opinion. I think that's just so oh, funny. Yeah. You know, it's a big go-to life bit of mine. Because I said, have a seat. And you said, I'd love to sit there. What is that what yeah, you yeah. said? I'd love to sit there. Yeah. I'm going to turn myself down a little bit. Is this me? Me too. There we are. Yeah, a little hot. A little hot. I don't know. Maybe I'm turning you. No, this is no, mine. No, I don't think you can. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that's me. I have boundaries. Oh, this is and fun. And you, ad- you can't adjust my yeah. volume. That's, a, that's me. I hate these <laughs> studios where you don't get a knob. And you I need have to keep telling a guy to keep doing this. And I, I love, feel like an asshole. Uh, I love a good cough button too. Yeah, you, you know, you go, you do. I'm assuming when you go on the road, you do uh, radio and such. I do. I feel like that's something people. We certainly we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I don't think people really know. I, I'm kind of appalled that that's part of what we do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It doesn't do much anymore either. I it don't doesn't think. ever. I just did. Uh, it I mean, never moves the needle. No, I just did uh, Bob and Tom, which is you know used to be the biggest show I know. ever. And they I know. Kinda... I was very nervous the first time I did Bob. Yeah, Tom, and you were saying they kind of was. And I just don't. I got zero. Not one tweet. Zero. Zero percent tweets. It's very scary. The, the the quality of like life. I don't mean it in a mystical way. I'm just saying like we get into these things and we dig in deep. Like old school comedy managers that run clubs and right. stuff they're like here's what you gotta do and they don't fucking know yeah. and then like things I'm not I'm not putting down Bob and Tom but there are certainly things like that that can be huge and then just suddenly it's like oh the, the tools we use to measure success have changed right oh totally we want Twitter followers we want we want immediate feedback not at the show going did anyone hear me on Bob and Tom and right like five ten people yeah. It used to be the whole crowd, right? Yeah, and uh, also they it wasn't enjoyable cuz it's very early in the morning and yep. I don't I don't want to trash them either, but uh No. They they were great. Yeah, it's very early in the morning and then they I did like a joke about uh I did like a bit of mine where I'm unattractive or some guys think and then they were like, yeah, and they all started trashing me. Like, yeah, you ugly piece of shit. And it was like, this horrible. And they were just calling me ugly, and the show doesn't have the heat it used to. So I was kind of like, well, this is a nightmare. Why did I do this? Yeah, and it's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting made fun of for no I reason. I, I've, in Madison, I got, I, I got real, real drunk 
the night before. I'm yeah. very glad this happened, by the way. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm glad it happened. And then in the morning, I did radio, yeah. and I was still drunk. Like, I slept like an hour and a half and got up, right. and I was still drunk. One of the best times I ever had. I, I just kept asking, what are you allowed to say? And they'd be like, I'd be like, can you say balls? And they'd be like, you can say balls. I'd be like, balls! <laughs> just like screaming and yelling, and I made fun of the club owner. It was very strange. Right. And how everybody wants to sleep with his daughters. Have you worked, Madison? I just was there a week ago, two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I did radio, and they were drinking. I was not, but they were. Alcohol? Yeah, they had like a beer guy in. The in beer the morning? Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, what do you call it? The brewer. He that came in. That is the most Madison thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, and they weren't just sipping. I mean, they were drinking. They yeah. were like, we need another beer over here. And they're like, get some beers. Uh, but it was fun. It was nice. I love a good day drink. Yeah. Are you a big boozeman? I, I'm sober now. I'm sober oh, yeah. for three and a half years or so. But yeah, I loved it then, for sure. Tell me about that, because I am also not drinking right now. Oh, nice. And uh, it's just for vanity. I find that like everything tightens up when for I sure. stop drinking. Yeah. You get like booze face. You get like that kind of head spread. Yeah, you get fat and uh, fat face. and gross, and you hurt, get herpes and HPV and all uh, those things. And, yeah, uh, those are related. Yeah. They are related. Diarrhea, all that stuff. But so. then, you know, did you see American, the Bill Hicks documentary? I did. It was actually a big part of my sobriety. Then isn't it weird that I just brought it up? Yeah, that's amazing <laughs> that you said that. I um, want more from you. Then be amazed. Yeah. No, because I think about that all the time is that when he, you, you tell it. Well, yeah, he got, well, it's funny because I was watching that, uh, I guess this is funny. It's interesting to me anyways. Please. But I watched that. That's um, what this is all about. What's interesting to you? <laughs> well, I knew I had to get sober at some point because I was a drunk idiot, maniac, and I was like, so I'm you, gonna, I'll have to quit at some point. Oh, really? Yeah. You're not great with it? No, no. I'm a, Who is? I'm the worst. There's yeah. one guy that like has one cognac, and then he can speak Latin, but yeah. most of us are just like, I like you, tits. Yeah, totally. There's definitely people that are able to drink, and you're like, wow, that's great for you. Yeah, I suppose. Janine uh, Garofolo, am I saying that right, Janine? I don't believe you are. <laughs> I believe you're saying it incorrectly. Okay, Garofolo. She said something, and she's sober as well, and she was like, it's great until it's not. Right. I, was, I, wonder oh, if, I great, don't know if that's a trope. That's a common uh, quote. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, it's great until it's not, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, I'd like to hear about what you were like, but tell me more about American and Bill Hicks. Oh, yeah, so I was watching that movie one time in my girlfriend's bed, and I was like, well, this is amazing. I was like, maybe this is the time to quit. I could be great mm-hmm. or whatever, that's what I was, but I was drunk at the time. Yeah. But uh, I ended up getting sober shortly after, but then I went to watch it uh, again on Netflix like a while, like years later. I was like, I want to rewatch that. Yeah. And it, for some reason, it had the date, because I didn't finish watching it. It had, like, the date I had begun watching it, and it was the day before my sobriety date. So I didn't realize oh, wow. how close it was. Like, literally, like, the next day, I quit drinking. Because if uh, that movie, I've seen it many times. I yeah. love that movie. I, lo- I watched that movie when I, uh, you know, I've been seeing stand-up. I've been fucking stand-up for 15 years now. Yeah. So occasionally, I kind of, you know, even though it's my favorite thing, I'll be like, I don't really feel like doing it this week or whatever. Of course. Watch that movie, and then I'm like, nah, it's the coolest. Yeah. It's the coolest. And- I love that movie, but sometimes I'll watch it and be like, oh, I'm not doing the right material. Like, he's like, we're all going to die. The government's going to burn our houses down. And I'm like, yeah. uh, boy, am I a nervous guy. Uh, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm just a hack, whatever. No, no, but, uh, no. Well, I'm not, certainly not a hack. I don't want to when, when It's the Bill Hicks documentary, obviously, was what we're talking about. And when I watch that movie, I'm like, oh, man, if he had had a podcast. I said that a million times. Right. But he – we have so many uh, avenues to, to go down. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas I think he, at that time, had stand-up. There wasn't – it wasn't as easy to start your own this or this. I mean, you could have had a YouTube channel and people would have right. gone nuts and pass around just like they do today. Right. But unfortunately, he had to go to Poughkeepsie and yell at people that right. really <laughs> didn't understand. Right. So that's a really lonely thing. 
But then it talks about this strange marriage of our our job and and booze and to a certain extent drugs. Although I don't see as much drugs, I see more alcohol yeah. abuse than I see people doing. Like nobody does like cocaine or anything, right? For the most part. But then like Bill Hicks stops drinking, and it always. That's when they're like, those are the best years of his life. You right, know? right. When, I don't know if Kinison did it, but all these different guys would get sober and then record their best album. Right. And then, you know, they'd die. Yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen to me, the dying part. The dying part, yeah. yeah Unfortunately, like it will happen at some point. But we're here today. Yes, yes we are. This is the only moment that matters. This is the most now it's ever been. Yeah. And even though this is the only moment that matters to us, the people listening down the road... That's yeah. that moment now. So yeah, now this moment—it's weird because this moment is now over, but yeah. for them it's just happening. Yeah, yeah unless yeah. this is going out live. It's, live. No, it's not live. It's very right. trippy that you said that because I was walking and I was like, "How can I make Joe feel welcome and excited?" Because sometimes I love doing this podcast, but I was like, the, to tap into the immediacy and the urgency and the joy of it, I have to remember that this is the only thing that's happening. Yeah, this is it. Because mm-hmm. when your mind is other places, everything sucks. And then I was like, it's very exciting to think. And this is literally what I thought walking up 8th Avenue. I was like, uh, we'll be recording this now, and it'll be now for us. And then later, people will listen to it, and it will be then for yes. us. Yes. <laughs> like, when you have people that have done the podcast that have passed away or, or, or XYZ, it's crazy to think, I'm now talking to you, Joe. Yes. How old are you now? 34. 34? Yeah. Just turned 34. Is that right? Yeah. How's and that? it's my lucky number. Big year. This guy got to make it happen this year. 34? Well, I'm a big yeah. believer in 33 is a good one. Uh, Larry I Bird. Like L Bird. Yeah. Who has time to say Larry? <laughs> but L Bird, <laughs> it's a good one. But then I was like, you seem like I was watching your stand-up, and I'm a big fan of your stand-up. Oh, I think you're you. hilarious. Thank you. And I was like, who knows what's going to happen to Joe List? You could go in all these different directions. But I'm ta- – not that you haven't done a lot of things, but this is certainly like pre-explosion. You I know hope I mean? so, yeah. And then like now we're talking to you now and it's better to talk to you now because that guy's going to have like a- alliances and like things he can't talk about and an image to protect, blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah, I have none of that. None of that? Yeah. So I'm... I get to talk to a 34-year-old. Yes, this is 34-year-old Joe and uh, <laughs> I'm gay and I love all of you. <laughs> I'm not gay. I felt like that. Be a fun thing to say, I know, yeah. yeah. I, I could use some heat on this. Yeah, episode, yeah. some <laughs> sort something. of some sort of expose. Oh, jeez, I have no secrets, but uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. It's but you have there. that, you know. When I when I watch you, I do see. I know you're from Boston, which is where I'm. You know, I'm from Lexington, but you yeah. know what I mean. I mean, I'm from Whitman, so I'm not Whitman. Yeah, I don't even know where that is. That's next to Brockton, about 35 minutes south of uh, Boston. Okay, yeah, Whitman. Yeah, I'm almost uh, halfway between Providence and Boston. Okay, yeah, all right, the South Shore, South Shore, sure. Whitman, uh, famous the where the chocolate chip cookie was invented or created. Just Toll House. Toll House invented that? Yes, and a lot of people think that I'm making, <laughs> it hurts my feelings. I'll say that, and then people will look it up, and it hurts me because I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not making up a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can Google it. Trust me, Whitman Mass chocolate you know, chip I, cookie. My dad has never told me a true fact. I realized since Google has oh, come out, like he'll be like, he says like Thomas Edison invented the revolving door. He said that to me my entire life. No, he didn't. Oh, wow. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> but he still says it. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where it's novel, and I don't want him to stop saying it. Yeah, it's kind of sweet. But he also won't hear me if I correct him. Right. So you are a regular fella, but uh, <laughs> meaning... I'm a regular fella, for sure. Even though you're from Boston, you feel... You have that uh, appeal, that Letterman-like appeal. I know oh, you did the Letterman you. thing, where it's like, ah... Uh, this is a this is a fun one. Oh, thank you. Well, you don't I, see I you. That. You don't see you all the time. Uh huh. I'm not sure what that means. But There's I, not I, a lot of use. 
Oh, a lot of, lot of me. category I thought you were person. saying, I don't see you. Like, I'm hiding myself. No. I was like, I feel like I'm a pretty open guy. No, this is not one of those shows. Oh, right. I was like, oh, jeez, this is me. I mean, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm saying you're unique. There's oh, like thank a you. Fun... I appreciate it. There's a lot of people that, like, feel normal when they do stand-up. Yeah. There's, like, blustering kind of chubbed stuffs like me that are kind of like, <laughs> it's weird that I'm doing this. <laughs> and you come out, and I watch your Conan, and you're, like, wearing a suit, and it doesn't look weird. You know oh, what I mean? thank you. And you do these jokes, and they're great jokes. They're, like, applauding the whole time. Oh, pretty thanks. much. It's insane. Oh, I appreciate it. And I like those people. You go, that's a clock, and that clocks tell time. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. I like to think of myself as a good comedian, so I, I hope that's what you're You lying. are. That is what I'm saying. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Uh, about 16 years in October. I, got, I started 16 in 2000. years? Yeah, yeah. I started uh, in the 80s. It was horrible. What? Um, you did not. No, I started in I started right out of high school in 2000. But the first year or two, I screwed up a lot. I didn't spend a lot of time really trying. That was with the alcohol part. Um, you were like, this is a, a job where they give you free, free drinks. Yeah, I didn't bit. really try. And um, what is here's, that? A, here's a little note to the kids. You really have to try yeah. to do well in comedy yeah, yeah, and showbiz. Yeah, yeah. But what does that look like, not trying? You would drink before your sets? Or like, you, you yeah. perform a lot? Or? I would never listen to sets or record sets. I wouldn't write. I wrote very sporadically. And the first year I did comedy, I just did Wednesday night. There was a co- open mic called Chops Lounge, which isn't there anymore, right next mm. to Fenway. Mm. And I would just go every Wednesday. I would do comedy once a week for like a year and a half. Mm. And people were like, you know, there's other shows. <laughs> there's a Sunday show. And I was like, oh, Sunday. I started doing the comedy vault. And I would do Sunday, Wednesday. And I was like, there we go. Sunday, Wednesday. <laughs> And um, there we go. And nobody told me like, yeah, this is a business. You're running a business. This is crazy to be right. doing this full time. I was like, oh, whatever. Which and, is funny because uh, it was 2000. It's like I understand in the 80s people would be like, you do one set, you do some coke, right? Right. right. <laughs> you fuck a girl in zebra pants. That's comedy. Yeah, it was. Um, but you were post like Seinfeld, like breaking and and his work ethic kind of infused into all of right. us. I feel like you could. Yeah. Read interviews, and they were like, it's a job. Right. Doing a job. Yeah, it was very, well, I just also was very uh, lazy. I think I was a little, uh, like, babied a little bit when I was a kid or something. So mm. I'd just be like, ah, somebody else would take care of that and do that. And, you mean, like, it, you kind of had an entitlement thing going on? I guess, yeah. Certainly when I moved to New York, I had that. But I, also a thing, people kept telling me, because I was young, and I was good. Like, I was funny right, right away. And so wow. people kept telling me. They're like, you're going to be huge. You're going to be big. You don't even have to worry. We're all going to be, you know, crazy and lose our job, whatever. You're going to be big. And I kept going, okay, great. That's great. <laughs> and so, like, it, you need some encouragement, but I get, like, too much. People kept being like, you're the phenom. And I was like, all right, I all right. just say, so I'm talking to Burbigley. I don't think he'd mind me saying. And I was imposing on him. He wasn't saying this. But the, the challenge of after, because he's doing his show, which by the time this comes out, it'll, it'll be done, unless he does an encore or something. But thank God for jokes, which I mentioned a lot. He does it, and after it gets reviewed, I was like, how do you maintain your you know, passion to do well? It's like if you're uh, trying to get in shape and you get all muscly, right. and then someone compliments you too soon, mm-hmm. then you start eating cheeseburgers. Right, <laughs> it's right. like, oh, I got it. No, I've totally been that. And I remember like all the way to, like, I mean, I'm jumping around, but I did live at Gotham in 08 on Comedy Central. Mm. And I remember feeling that way, like, aha, I've done TV, I'm on TV. Yeah, I'm a TV yeah, yeah. comedian. And I never tried to, like, do anything more or anything. I was just like, oh, I'm on com-. And I kind of sat and was like, come on, folks. Didn't you have friends? I had friends, but... Uh, <laughs> like, the friends. Yeah. That's where the friends come in. Yeah, I also had a lot of friends, too, that would drink harder than me and uh-huh. were, they didn't leave Boston. So I was just kind of like, well, I seem to be doing... 
It's Better than them. Mm. It's interesting. I think, you know, Kumail is in town as well. And I mm. think it's so – something I'm very grateful for is that I had these comedy lunatic friends, meaning comedy nerds. Yeah. Like Kumail and I – I don't think we ever really got like shit faced together. It was always just kind of like, I hear there's a room on Thursday. I think if we go, maybe they'll put us up. Oh, right. God, Emily. You know what I mean? So that is essential. And you're saying you didn't really have that in Boston? No. And then I ended up having it because I, I, I fucked around for so long. I can say fuck, right? I'm just looking to nobody. I'm looking behind me. There's no one here. You can, you um, can say fuck shit. Oh, great. Well, That's one word. Yeah. Well, I had. Uh, but the H is uppercase. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck shit. Um, so I had to, like, I, I fucked around for so much. I fuck shitted around for so much. <laughs> Very good. C-E. So I had to, like, kind of start over. I had to go, like, because I moved to New York, and that's where the entitlement thing. I had I went for Nick DiPaolo on the road for uh-huh. many years when I moved here, and then I... Does threw, he pay you in punches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, kid. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> he's just kind of a tough man. He is very tough. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a tough man. He's, I, I very sweet. But he's he, tough and very sweet as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I came, kind of became friends with uh, Colin Quinn through him, and then I had mm-hmm. opened for Dane Cook a couple times in Boston. No way. Yeah. So when I, I moved to New York, I had so opened for the whole for Dane. city of Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, literally the whole city. They would pack him into the Comedy Connection and the fire. Wait, you opened for him at the Comedy Connection? I did there, and then I did the Cape Cod Melody Tent and Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom. Oh wow! So I did a few dates with him. See, because you're a great opener, if I. I may inject yes. here is because you're super funny. Thank you. But you do your fucking act. Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? Jokes. There's not a lot of fucking around. Now yeah. that you're a headliner, I think you can understand what I've figured out. When you're looking for an opener, like Chris Thayer, great opener. Brent Sullivan. These are these are the yeah. guys I like to go. Andy Haynes. These are guys that go out and do it. I don't. Most ninety nine point nine percent of headliners. Don't want the opener to go out and like go into the crowd, right, right, and do all the riffs about the hot dog smell and all that shit. Like, right, just fucking get them used to listening to jokes, and that's why I think right. you'd be an ideal guy. Oh, thank you. I've been opening for Louis the last few weeks as See? well. So yeah, that's been. I'm a, not wrong. I'm a go-to guy. I guess. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Yeah. It's so exciting. what was that like? You're opening for these fellas. So I opened for those guys, but then I moved to New York, and I remember thinking like, all right, I'm here, everybody. Like I have a, I did live at Gotham, so I had yep. like, a TV credit, and I was friends with. Apollo and Quinn, and I knew Dane. And so I was like, what's up, everybody? Huh? I'm yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And nobody gives a shit in right. New York. You know, nobody cares at all. So it took me a long time to realize, like, oh, I guess I have to start. Oh, so it was like two years. It's like the third act of At Midnight where your scores go down to zero. Right. That's what moving, I feel like any new city just goes like, we don't care. Yeah. Especially so I, New York. Right. So I started going back to open my, like, I, the, when I got sober as well, I was like, all right, I just got to start over, I guess. Buddy, sorry. I just have to, <laughs> I can't say it enough. When I came to New York from Chicago, yeah. the guys that didn't start over don't do comedy anymore. Right. It just, it, it'll kill you. Yeah. I, I, I'm not making fun of those people. I'm like, that sucks. Like, right. some people, maybe they've moved to too many cities. New York was like the third city. They couldn't do it again. I completely understand. Right. But if they wouldn't go to the open mics or whatever the fuck, it's like, oh, God. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You have to really have a lot going on to just come in and be like, I'm here now, too. Yeah, exactly. So but then when I kind of started going back to open mics and stuff and started fresh, then I became like a new group of peers. Like I started hanging out with uh, Sam Murill and like mm-hmm. Mark Norman and Gary Veter. Yeah. And those guys, they were all like pushing and writing. And I was like, oh, shit, this is how we're supposed to be doing it. And that really helped. So they're now sort of my peers, even though I've been doing comedy. 25 years longer than all of them. Uh, but, um, but now that's how, but that, I have that but now that, where they're all doing so well and writing so much. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get a new 10 because they, you know, 
It's hard to soar with the eagles when you're kicking around with the pigeons. Yes, exactly. I was <laughs> kicking with pigeons. No offense. No, no offense. I love pigeons. Yeah. Who doesn't like a pigeon? You, they shit on you. They flock. Ah, 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 they Do they flock? Disease. I don't even know if they, they flock. They carry disease. They're like rats. They're great. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a cheesy Joel Osteen quote, but it's true. Joel Osteen, mega pastor, ever turn on a TV in a hotel on a Sunday? That's I've seen him. that guy before. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a jokey quote, and I like to say it, but it's true, and it's not to put down, we don't have to be like snobs and elitists, but there is something about finding the people that are doing what you want to do. I've told that story many times. The first time I saw Mulaney, I was just like, well, I'm going to be friends with him. And it wasn't because I witnessed him being kind off stage. It was because I was like, this guy's fucking way better than I am. Yeah, he's rarely (laughs) kind, by the way. John Mulaney. He's unbelievable. Ah, Uh, really unkind. I'm I'm trying trying to get some spark into when I get a viral Uh, episode. Is there anything worse than the way that guy is? Yeah, Joe List hates John Mulaney. (laughs) Dot com. Uh, <laughs> .org. It's a, it's a non-profit. It's a common mistake. Yeah, we're starting a movement. But you, I, I do think, I, I hear what you're saying. I knew you were friends with Mark Norman because I found some weird video online of you guys talking. And uh, I know those guys are almost insane. Have you, have you brushed into it the other way where you start working too much? Uh, totally. Like, like Mark is a guy who's my close friend. We have a hit podcast together. We do? Do we ever. What's um, it called? It's called Tuesdays with Stories, if you don't mind me plugging it. I would love for you. When is a better time to plug it than on another podcast? Exactly. You already have a bunch of podcast listeners listening. Yes. So, th- yeah, listen to this Tuesdays podcast Tuesdays with Stories, well. great name. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's one guy, when we first started the show, I quote this guy all the time. He tweeted and said, the show is as great as the name sucks. Oh, wow. Which was one of my favorite uh, Not a big tweets. reader, that guy. <laughs> Not a favorite tweet. <laughs> well, we, also, we have no affiliation with Tuesdays with Maury. What's, never one of us have read the book. You don't talk about death? No, no. Well, I guess we do. We, we joke about it's it. It's a good book. But, um, Quick read. But anyway, so Mark, I would hang out with Mark and watch Mark, and like he, would do, he does the more sets than anybody on earth. <laughs> and I'd be like, I should be doing sets right now. Mark's doing 10 sets. He's writing. And I, you, find, you have to find a bound. I'm like, oh, I'm not that guy. Well, that's it. That's not good for me mentally. You've hit it. I, I lose my mind. F- figuring out all of it is like trying out, I guess, different religions or different techniques. It's like we're all worshiping the same comedy god, but we're all like, some people are good at being like fundamentalists. Right. Like, go hard. It's like they go to mass every day and right. they believe everything literally and they're like, Seinfeld said it. You gotta do three a night, four on Saturday. Right. Okay, that's fine. There's Mike Lawrence. There's maybe Mark Norman. I don't know him as well. Right. I don't know if Mike still does that, but there are those guys. But then you can have on the other side, there are the Unitarians. A lot of people be claiming Unitarianism. You know, that's kind of like the hippie, lax version of Christianity uh, to complete this analogy. But I'm saying a lot of people jump into that just because it's easier to like fuck around. But that's where like Rory is, you know, like Rory Scovel, these like geniuses that kind of belong over there that can do it that way. And a lot of people choose that path because it appears to be easier. But that's not for anybody either. But you dabble in all of them and eventually you get a clear picture of what your process is, yeah. and then you can start to honor that. Wouldn't right. you agree? Yes, and that's a fun part of life is getting older and, get, and gaining wisdom. Like, oh, this yeah. makes me feel good. That makes me feel anxious. That makes me feel that's crazy. Right. And uh, it's, it's a good feeling when you're like, oh, I'm gaining wisdom. Yes. But nobody told me that. A huge part of comedy, I guess any business, but this business is so difficult mentally, I think, is that you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself mentally and yep. you're in a good place. Absolutely. Because that's really important. And I have all kinds of anxiety and depression and all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. So it's a strange feeling on the I'd love to talk about that. I think I don't think I've met a comedian 
Uh, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but almost everyone that comes on the podcast, com- comedian or not, will talk about anxiety and depression being these of passengers in the car sometimes. You yeah. Know I mean, they're there. Totally. I did, when I was on the talk show, when I, you know, I did a talk show and I was like, it occurred to me after a, a week or so, it's very essential that I feel happy and silly yeah. and in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Like, it was just mental. Like, I needed to meditate or I needed to, like, literally watch YouTube videos or be alone right. a lot of the time. I was like, I need an hour alone. Of course. And that was as important as it was to, like, grind away at a, yeah. what if we polish this? Because I watch an old monologue if I, if I do. I'm always struck with the things that I know I'm improvising. Right. And guess what? Grumpy Pete don't improvise. I feel the same way. <laughs> we, I talk about this a lot with Mark, actually. Like, there's a whole... Uh, like belief that like comics are damaged and struggling. I'm like, I'm never funny if I'm not in yeah. a good place mentally. Yeah, because yeah. I'm too. That? I'm worried about bird flu or climate change yeah. or whatever. And I'm yes. like, I'm not making jokes. I'm like, we're all gonna die. What are you crazy? Right. So I got to get into a good spot. Yoga and sobriety and meditation, like yeah. you said, or there you go, or masturbation, whatever. It, sure. Some kind of whatever it takes shun release. Um, <laughs> One of the shuns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's when I have to. But I have to put that above everything as like mental. Health and happiness. Yeah, I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I look at the value of bringing Valerie, my girlfriend, on the road, for example, and mm-hmm. I'm like, she, first of all, she likes coming, see a new city, we have fun, we go to museums, blah blah yeah. blah. But then there's also this great uh, side product where I'm like, I'm happier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Steve Martin, born standing up, he quits and he he talks about it touring. He quits touring and he's like, looking back, I could have brought friends with me, right? Or this, this, and this. I'm like, fucking a, yes, right, right. Make it, make it fun. Bring your friends. We could yeah. have still had Steve Martin if if, if we figured yes. this out. Load up on guns. Bring your friends. There you it's go. Fun to lose and pretend. What is that? That's a uh, smells MGMT. like Team Spirit. Ah, yeah, but it, I'm not uh, screaming it, so it yeah. sounds much funner. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there are actual lyrics to that song. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, I knew some of them. Yeah, I know, I, I know some of them. Um, but that idea of keeping yourself sane, keeping yourself happy, keeping yourself healthy. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence you're talking about getting sober. Yeah, and then getting better, like things getting better. Yeah, this is this is part of our job. You are the job. Right. That's why, like, I was very very anti weed for a long time because I noticed. A lot of guys that smoked weed, I was like, you're getting this amazing euphoric feeling without an accomplishment tied to it. Yes. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Like, oh, man, I'm figuring it out. I like weed. I really do. I think it's a lot of fun. But I do see some people that fall. There's one of the traps on the golf course. Yeah. It's the weed trap. There's the pussy trap. There's the money trap. There's the asshole trap. There's the fame-seeking trap. And then there's good old alcohol. That's just like a giant lake in the right. middle. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of traps. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good. I, now I have a chocolate chip cookie trap. That's what I'm doing. I just I eat too many cookies. And uh, Well, what do, you, what do you do? It seems like you were drinking probably to cope with anxiety. Is that, is that what you think? Yeah, I think so. And then I real, I mean, I, I do a joke about it, but like, I realize that uh, it just causes more anxiety. Because like, at the moment, I'd be like, oh, I don't feel anxiety now. And then the next day, it's you know, a thousandfold. Cause I'm Isn't like, that interesting? Jesus, I don't know who I fucked. I don't know what I said. Right. I can't remember my set, all that stuff. You'd so. black out. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Not, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Why I said a little bit more than you're supposed to, certainly. But Get um, light gray out. Yeah, I had some crazy blackout <laughs> stuff, and uh, I, I shit in a girl's shoe one time. That was a fun literally, incident. yeah. Even the alliteration is perfect. I yeah. wonder if part of you knew <laughs> as you squatted over a loafer, you were like, "This is a good bit." Yeah, it was a sneaker. It was a high top. I filled oh, it a high and, top. Uh, urinated everywhere. It was a whole. It was a real episode. Tell yeah. me what happened. Uh, I don't remember a lot of it, but <laughs> why? Um, I've. I've, I've, I've it was, uh, I've told this story before, but it was like a crazy, uh, just, 
I was going on like a date with a girl, basically, or I thought it was a date. I was hanging out with her for the first time. I had like a thing for her, but I had been drinking too heavy before, just because I could never say no. And mm. then when we met up, I wanted her to know that I was like a fun party guy, so I kept like ordering shots and everything, even though I knew I'm like this is too much. I'm a mess. Can I just interject, please? Because I, I'm not saying this is some sort of global conspiracy. I'm just saying, like, when you see movies and TV, fun time is shots. I've had shots in bars. It can be fun. Yeah. It isn't what it's portrayed to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're thinking, oh, man, shots is fun guy. Shots isn't fun guy. After the second one, I got fucking my friend breathing his whiskey breath in me going, like, get out! Fucking yeah, you just become That's a mess. Not fun, but when you go to Barcelona Bar, do you know Barcelona Bar? Right up on Eighth, it's on Fifty Third and Eighth. Why it's not a, just Barcelona? It's uh, oh, that's a good point. I never know. I never, I never put together. I'm writing together. an angry email. I don't, I don't know what it's all about. But bar uh, is in one color and Salona, and it's just called Barcelona. I always felt the Carson Daly show should be called Carson Nightly. Very good. Not bad. It's very right? good. Well, we'll make both those things as soon as we're done here. <laughs> so, um, we got a pitch. Carson Knightley. But um, the Barcelona bar was like a shot bar, and then you'd order like the Top Gun, and they'd give you like, you know, aviator sunglasses, and they'd play. It was like a thing. There was a full metal jacket. They put a helmet on you. They call you a homo or whatever. Like, you bitch, get down, you pussy, you piece of shit. It was like one of those things. I've never heard of these things. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a, a fun shot bar. Yeah, it's a shot bar. And then um, my favorite shot was the Golden Girls. They wouldn't do anything, but they just played the Golden Girls song. And one time I got like blackout. Wait, kept... where is it being played? Are you in a booth with private? No, speakers? no, it's in the bar. In the, the big, whole bar. The bar is just playing. Like someone ordered a Golden Girls, and so, so what play. if someone orders a Golden Girls while someone orders a Top Gun? They, you have to wait. They gotta wait. You're waiting while that shot is getting nice and yeah. room temp. There's a big. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a terrible idea. Harry Potter's a big one. They shoot fire everywhere and stuff. Why doesn't the name imply that it's a shot bar? It's I, called Barcelona. I don't know. It's not my bar, Pete. I don't know any <laughs> answers. And I haven't been there in many years, obviously. But what? I kept drinking the Golden Girls, and I, got, I started. I was like throwing up in the bathroom. I was like, "Give me another Golden Girls!" And then finally, the guy goes, "You know, I can just play the song for you." And I was like, "That would be great." Because I kept, I just wanted to hear the song over and over again. Um, you couldn't think of another way. I couldn't get another way to just hear that song. Yeah, it's a very warm song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank and you that, for being a friend. It's uh, a lovely message. I love my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it, were you kind of like a war, one of those types of drunks in that early stage? They're like, I love you guys. Oh, totally. Yeah, I was yeah. always like, I never like you know hit my girlfriend or anything. I was yeah. always like a guy that'd be like, I would either be saying you love me or you hate me. That was like my big thing. Mm. I'd be like, you guys hate me, mm-hmm. and then I would hate myself. Basically, I realized years later I just had a deep hatred for myself. But did you really? Oh yeah. But you know what? I default to you might be surprised because I do kind of work on self love a lot. Yeah, I, ca- I catch myself having a lot of weird thoughts, and it might be because my wife left me. Uh, but I'll say to Valerie, I'll be like, "Do you secretly hate me today?" Like I, I'm always just a little bit uneasy. Yeah, somewhere deep in a subconscious place. Totally. I'm like, do you hate me? Yeah. Like what? That's so weird. Yeah, I do it to my girlfriend too, and she hates it. She's yeah. like, "I hate when you do that," and I'm like, "I'm sorry." Uh, and then I hate myself for doing that. You're dating Yakov Smirnov. Yeah, <laughs> I hate when that happens. I don't know why. I couldn't uh, think of any other comedians. I like it. So go on. Oh, so anyways, we did a bunch of shots. I got like you know blackout drunk. And I was at her, I got back to her house, like I kind of came to, yep. and I was like at her place, and then I blacked out again, and when I woke up, uh, everything in the house, there was like a coffee table that was just crushed, like Chris Farley'd. 
Oh, like man. Fell through. And I had, I don't know if you ever had this feeling where you're like, that was me. I don't remember what happened, but I know I'm responsible for that. Like a werewolf. Yeah, exactly. Surrounded by dead chickens. Exactly. And oh, so, no. And these dead chickens were human shit inside of a shoe. Ah. So I came into our bedroom, and there was like footprints of fecal matter, and it was in a shoe. It was the whole thing. Wait, I don't understand. Didn't you get it clean? And I'm picturing it very clean, like a waffle cone in a high top, like um, Magic Johnson's Converse. A lot of it was in there, and then some of it, I think, missed. Yeah. Because I had a... I have a dog. I, I get it. Yeah, I had some hand-eye coordination problems, or asshole <laughs> eye. Brown eye coordination. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, there's your title. I don't know if you yeah, title yeah, We title on. these. Now we do. Great. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> but if we do title it, it's called Joe Liz Hates John Mulaney. <laughs> Perfect. And is gay. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> Joe Liz is a gay man who hates John Mulaney. But, um, I don't think there are any gay men that hate John Mulaney. Probably not. I hope there's no one that hates John Mulaney at all. He's I'm a, just assuming, He's yeah. a brilliant comedian. I was also implying that he's like a very well-dressed, clean, and funny yes. man that seems like he would have a nice gay fall. And quite handsome. All I right. don't want to make any new stereotypes, but yes, right. all gay people love John Mulaney. We've really turned around on Mulaney right here in front of you folks. We love him. <laughs> Strange stereotypes. We'll be right back. Um... <laughs> So I, anyways, I came to, I came back, and I realized this was me, and there was like a puddle of year. I also had a cross-country flight that left in like a half hour, so I was like, I got to get out of here. God, I, I kind of don't want to hear this story. It's going to give me a nightmare. It's, go, yeah. it's real bad. So basically, yeah. the short version, I No, texted, no, no, don't stop. I, well, I texted, yeah, where was your flight going? It was going to Seattle for and, the Seattle comedy competition, which is a month long. I was going to Seattle for a month. Oh, shit. And, um... Oh, shit sneakers. <laughs> um, Holy shit sneakers, that's crazy. So, um, So you got a, a track of shit, and you got... Got piss yeah, so and I, a broken table. I tried to clean up as much as I could. I Wasn't my, she there? No, they had left. Oh. They had gone to work. <gasps> so this is what's crazy. So I text the girl, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I want to kill myself. I'm a piece of shit. I'm the worst person. And she wrote back, no, no, we think it's funny. So I'm like, well, these girls party. <laughs> they think this is funny. <laughs> so then I fly across the country it, I, my phone is off because I'm on an airplane, you know? Sure. Airplane mode, if you will. Yeah, it's a special mode. And I land, I turn my phone back on, I get all these texts, and one of them is from her, and it just says, oh my God, we had no idea how bad this was. You're a horrible human being. You owe us money. And so oh. I was like, well, that's more like it. That yeah, makes more sense. there you go. So when I put I it together... I the, the wrath. So <laughs> Can I get some wrath? <laughs> So what I realize is I actually shit like, like 10 in the morning. Like they must have gone to work. It was after you they had gone to work. You thought it was old shit. Yeah. You needed like tracking a deer. You needed to pick it up and break right. it. This is new. I thought I had shit at, you know, 3 or 4 in the morning like a normal person Surrounded was. by applause like Russian dancers. Just yeah. like, shit, 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 right. shit. And you're like, dee, dee, dee. Yeah. And but then, no, you it, did that alone. Yeah, this was about 10 in the morning. So they were upset. But luckily they were like 22-year-old girls. They, they sure. were like, they part. If it was like a 35-year-old woman, I'd probably be in jail or castrated or something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 22-year-old um, girls love shit shoes. Yeah, I'm not saying they love it, but they're a little more like, oh, that was wild. Right, right, right. That guy's a fucking lunatic. One for the journal. Right. I'm sure it's in the journal somewhere. <laughs> Is this your low point, or does it get worse? Well, then I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking, I better not drink tonight. That was my thought. I was like, I should take a night off. Um, yeah. And then later that night, I was like, well, I'm not going to quit, so I might as well just have a beer. And I ended up drinking that night. Wow. And I continued to drink for a couple more years, actually. Really? Yeah, because I was, a, you know, a lunatic. And then... 
Did you say I was a loser? I was a lunatic, is what I'm saying, but a loser, too. Oh, no. I certainly wasn't winning. I was concerned that you said loser. Oh, well. Lunatic seems less judgmental of yourself. True. Yeah, but you were a lunatic. All right. And um, Kept drinking. But they, I sent him 300 bucks, by the way. I wrote a lot. I just found it recently on my It would have been funny to send him $222 <laughs> for all the number twos you made. Right. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> That's my Carson Knightley. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then another check for $86, like because you owe them more. And don't forget. Get uh, Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. Let's not that's make big. a mistake. People should run all names by me. I really feel like that's my calling. I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, please. So you send them cash, cold, I sent cold them, hard cash. I sent them some cash. Did you put anything in the memo, like for shitting on your floor or – No, I wrote – I bought so like a sorry. card. I wrote a long thing in the card. And I recently found the Facebook message. It's really – it's actually well written. I was wow. like, this is like a nice piece of uh, – yeah. Of literature here. <laughs> it was a really long, like, heartfelt uh, apology. And they sort of accepted, I think. And, yeah. Um, and everyone with comedians, they're great friends, but it also was, like, almost enabling. They're like, that's hilarious. You're yeah. the best. Tell a story. Get, yeah. around, get over here. Listen to this crazy son sure, of a bitch. Sure, so sure. it's more like, you know, I didn't lose my job. Nothing really it's bad like the, happened. It's like, you know, I love Artie Lang. It's the Artie Lang factor. It's like mm-hmm. Artie is, you know, acting like a fuck up. And then on Stern, everybody loves it. He gets known for it, writes right. books about it. Kind of becomes that thing, for yeah, him. and that can be dangerous, I suppose. Uh, certainly, he's yeah, sober now, yeah, as well. Uh, yeah, go on. So it was enabling. Yeah. Why did, so then why did you stop? Because you watched American. I watched American, <laughs> and then um... American more challenging to your drinking than <laughs> shitting in a shoe. Right. <laughs> there was a lot. I just kept knowing I had to, and I tried a couple times, and then uh, I was with uh, our friend uh, Gary Gullman. You're friends with Gary Gullman. Gullmanation, love him. Yeah, I love Gary Gullman, and we went to. Um, it was like Christmas Eve or Christmas. I kind of blacked out Christmas with my family. And then my brother-in-law, his dad had just died. And I was making jokes about it because I thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, your dad's dead or whatever oh, I said. Wow. And he looked real – he was like, what are you doing? What's oh, wrong with you? Boy. He's like, I'm really sad. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I hated myself for that. And I was like, I got to quit. And then I went to uh, Philadelphia. I was doing Helium, New Year's Eve week right after Christmas with uh, Gullman. And uh, I kept kind – I was like, I'm going to curb my drink, but I was still drinking there. And then Gullman gave me one of those, you might be an alcoholic tests. Oh. Like, you know, 25 questions. And it was like, if you answered 10 right, you're a piece of shit. If you answered 20 right, you should kill yourself, whatever oh, it was. Wow. And uh, also a fun anecdote. If someone's giving you one of those tests, you're probably an alcoholic. Right, right, right. There's not a lot It's of... really a one-question test. Yeah, yeah. Did someone give you this <laughs> right, test? Right. Yes. Man, yes. So I was with uh, Gullman. What, what were the questions? Oh, you it was like, uh, have you ever been hospitalized for drinking? Have you ever lied about your drinking? Have you ever felt you need to drink less? Have it's you like ever... on The Simpsons. Yeah. Have you ever missed work? Because Whatever it was. I can't yeah. remember. But... Had you been hospitalized? No, that was like the only one where I said no to. <laughs> but then it was like an asterisk because like I had gone to the hospital for like shitting blood, which probably was related to just drinking. You know, sure, like sure, sure, sure. Continuously, right? So, yeah, yeah. But um, but anyway, so I was like, I just had this moment. Where I was like, that's it. I'm quitting. This is like the moment. And wow, uh, because of Gary Gull. Yeah, the Gull was a big part of it. Wow, a great man, by yeah. the way, and a tremendous comedian. Yeah, he's great. Um, but he's yeah, special. I just had this moment of like, this is yeah, it. No. I don't know what it was, and um. And then what did you do? You did the old school Bostonian, you just stopped thing, didn't I you? I stopped, and uh, I mean, I'm involved in the, the program. I mean, I don't want to. Oh, you are? Yeah, I mean, good for you. There's, you know, traditions you know, against 
talking about it too much, so I don't want to get too I don't want to. We've had people make that same mistake. If you feel yeah. bad about it, we can edit it out. But no, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'll say that I'm there. I like encouraging people to go into it. Can I tell you why? Yes. I know people that got sober on their own, and it's not the same. No, it's you have to. It's not the same. You yeah. can't just stop drinking. I, ne- I learned the term dry drunk when I was like 34, and yeah. I was like, yeah, dry drunks, their behavior is the same. They just don't drink. Yeah, you have to get into why you were sort of drinking like that, which is what it's sort of all about yeah. is self searching and looking in and you know, right. all that stuff. Right, right, so, right. Uh, yeah, and you realize you're like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. And then uh, well, the big thing I had was like <laughs> I'm a lot of so many of these red flags. Yeah, not a piece of shit. <laughs> you, but you've I'm, said I'm going to kill myself like eight times. You say it in your act. You well, say I'm a piece of shit. I'm a monster. You conceded that you're a loser. Some of this is. <laughs> you have bits uh, about how your girlfriend says you're not hot. Yeah. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> Some of this is hyperbole, I certainly. Hope so. but, um, I hope so. But yeah, it was definitely a thing. Like I thought all these things were like happening to me. I thought the industry hated me and people yeah. were me. And I was like, oh, I just wasn't trying. I was doing that. This is all sort of on After. me. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. So you kind of had it, – it's an empowering thing. It's go, very empowering. Oh, this was me fucking it up. It, you know, you get into that rut. A lot of people get into a rut of, of conspiracy. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this would have happened if this hadn't happened and this guy stopped this from happening. And it's just kind of like – it's almost nice to have something that you can remedy yeah. your alcoholism and then see – it's like a test. It's yeah. like science. You go like, okay, I've been trying to do this with alcoholism. Let's try and do it still with alcoholism but not drinking obviously. Right. And it's going better? Oh, totally. I mean basically all of my successes in life have come in sobriety, in, co- in comedy. Yeah. Um, certainly like I got – you know, Letterman and, and and a bunch of other – I'm not going to do my resume, but I've done yeah, well yeah, yeah. since then. And um, I've gotten a really good relationship and I have a nice apartment. Like it's all directly related to that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the best. I love it. And not, what do you do to like – is it really cookies? I do a lot, of, a lot of cookies and green tea. I drink a ton of green tea. Interesting. Why green tea? Um, I don't know. I just find it. So, I thought it was somewhat healthy, and so I just started drinking it. Yeah, and, it is. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. sure, sure. Um, so now I drink a ton of it. It's the only, uh, it's the only caffeine beverage that's hydrating. There you go. Oh, is that right? There's your t- green tea. Fact. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah, you can drink it when you're thirsty, and it'll get you there. As opposed to coffee, which I'm having a little bit of now. Oh, gotcha. it Takes a lot of water to process. It actually uh-huh. dehydrates you. No kidding. That's why you get those thick, hot streams of predator blood coming out of your dick. <laughs> Just like hot, gross coffee piss, and you're like, "What have I done?" Um, that was like a great poem you just did there. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was like a beautiful prose. Um, but you jerk it a lot. Uh, masturbation is that a thing? Uh, you referenced it. I'm actually not, not just saying that to be uh, salacious. Right. Not as much as I used to. Actually, I feel like I'm getting older. My sex drive is going down. I'm also in a healthy relationship. Sex, yeah, yeah and I have sex. So and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm getting older. I used to have to be like, I'm gonna go take a shit, and then would go and you know Jerk do that in the, in the in the in the bathroom a or quick whatever. Jay. Yeah, or on an airplane, in a car, all kinds of places. But now yeah. in my 30s, I feel like I've really cooled out. You've cooled out, but I still enjoy it. Can I just say that's a nice thing too? Yeah, I see no downside. Right, I'm 37. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, calm me down a little bit. Totally less general anxiety. Yeah, and it, you might think that has something to do with like career successes and stuff. I think it's just that calmness that comes. With having seen more, yeah. survived more, you just relax a little bit. Right. And then, like, your, your sex drive is still very healthy and wonderful and good. It's a good thing. Yeah. But it's not this constant gong ringing in the background where you're like, you got to take care of something. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, and also, like, now I'll look at women. It's summertime right now. It's beautiful degrees. Beautiful degrees? I, beautiful. I knew what you meant, though. <laughs> God damn it, degrees. Jeff. New York is like a parade of – I said to Birbiglia, I was like – 
I was walking to uh, hang out with him, and I saw a woman in a skirt, and you could just see through her skirt. Yeah. I was like, I don't even think they know. Yeah. Because it's only when the skirt is, like, touching the skin and the sun is right or something. So in the store, they were like, this is nice. And then on the street, it's just a panty party. (laughs) And I'm walking, and I'm like, Mike – don't they know we're animals? Right. And he goes, no, they don't believe us, and they write articles about how we're not. <laughs> oh, interesting. And I was like, we have the best PR. We've gotten them to write pieces. I happen to think that we're not just sexual deviants, not all of us, and yeah. not sex-obsessed. I happen to be one of those people. But also, hey, I can see your panties. Right. <laughs> and it's delightful. And it's delightful. But now I look at it's women. It's a magic place. This is, like, in my 30s, like, before I would look at a woman and just be like, Taking her clothes off in my mind and be like, oh my God, sex, what I would do if I could have sex with her. Yeah. But now I look at women, and this is going to sound insulting, I don't mean it to be, physically, almost like I look at a building. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is a beautiful structure over I there. I know what you mean. I'm just like, it's not even sexual. I'm just like, you are very appealing I, to the eye. I'm going to throw this at you. Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that I jerked it to and realized after I had come, and you have to understand I was raised religious, so I'm like, I came and I'm evil, you know, like it's a bad yeah. thing. I would still enjoy looking at it yeah. just from that architectural standpoint. Right. You're just like, like, that's just, that's like a Michelangelo. Yeah. A shaved Michelangelo, but it's hard right. to <laughs> chisel pubic hair. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of, it's just appealing to my eye. I'm like, that is pleasing. That's right. Like that's John right. Mulaney in a suit, that's same right. thing. I'm like, that's very delightful. I'm happy that you you said that because I, the AD on my show is, is his name is Christo, and he's just like objectively a very handsome person. Right. And I was talking with Aubrey and, and Dana. Hey, they got name checked again because I spent a lot of time with the wardrobe people and we do these long changing and stuff. And we just had a very long conversation. And I was proud that we didn't have to be like, I'm not gay. Just right. talking <laughs> about handsome men. Oh, totally. Yeah. Who gives a fucking shit? Yeah, I love a handsome man. I had a bit about it. I stopped doing it because I never really liked it. Uh, I, I don't feel like it's a great area for me yeah. to be talking about. I don't know. We'll see. But it was a bit about, like, everyone knows what good-looking men look like. Yeah. And some, some guys growing up in Boston, I feel like especially Boston, would be like, a friend of mine said, I'm so straight, I don't even know what a good-looking man looks like. And I'm like, how do you buy clothes? How do you get a haircut? Right. Like, how do you walk? How do you talk? Like, we're all mimicking. For My dad was probably like Marlon Brando, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And for uh, we have these things that you want to be and, and look like. And, and it's okay. It, it, I think it takes a certain level of uh, intellectual understanding to go like, I may not want to have sex with this man, but like, look, that's what I want to look like. Or right. that's objectively, architecturally interesting. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I have friends like that, certainly, that have been like, I'm like, oh, boy, something Brad Pitt. And they're like, Brad Pitt, what are you, are you a homo? Exactly. And I'm like, well, you can't. That's not – you can't understand yeah. why that's an attractive man. Yeah. You don't see that? Seriously? That's how straight you are. Right. But I'm, you go yeah, – men go like, to Brad Pitt movies because it's Brad Pitt just as much as women go to Brad Pitt movies because it's Brad Pitt. Right. It's just this fantasy from I, – I just hate – what I hate are thought stoppers. Mm. Uh, what are you, gay? It's a thought stopper. Right. What are you, uh, not patriotic or what are you – uh, it's usually gay. Like gay, right, unfortunately, right. has become this idiot thing. Like if you don't eat meat or, or whatever of it is, course, you're like, yeah. you're on your period or your those are thought stoppers, and they're fucking stupid. Right? Because if you could just green light your own curiosity and dare to delve into your subconscious and take a look around and take an inventory, you'd find that you're okay with yourself. Like, it's okay to go in that room. Right. But too many people put up doors. The what if? What are you gay? What are you stupid? What are you blah? The right. what are you? Blah? 
Open the doors. Yes, open the doors, folks. Get in there! The revolving doors invented by Thomas Edison. Ah, wow. Chocolate chip cookie. What's your dad like? <laughs> My dad is a very quiet Irish Catholic Boston guy. Not yeah. a lot of uh, emotion. Sweet mm. guy, funny guy. Mm. What but, kind of um, funny? Ah, he's like a funny, he'll have a couple, he has a good sense of humor, I think, but he's unbelievably quiet. Very, mm. uh, no feeling, no emotion or anything. I've never seen my dad cry. I've never hugged my dad. You've never hugged your dad? Uh, no, I, maybe once. I went to uh, Iraq to do comedy over there, and before that trip, I kind of like, I kind of was like, well, we should hug. I'm going to a active a war, war zone. Tour, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So maybe that once. Wow. Um, but definitely, I think... Loves me, but a guy that I have to figure out, like, okay, I think he must love me. He seems to laugh at my jokes. Did he lose his father at a young age? No, but his father his father just died recently. Oh, and wow. I, mi- I missed the funeral because I was on the road, and um, but I guess he sobbed there, which I, it bummed me out that I missed that because I'm I, like, wonder, I would love to see my dad uh, putting out emotion. Isn't that funny? I think that's so – I have these conversations with my dad. Now, I have a similarly strong – He's not like that, but he's strong, you yeah. know, and, and he's still playing dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to be like, the play's over. You're just John now. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, I, I say things to my dad that uh, normally dads say to their kids, and he's a wonderful dad. I'm not saying this is like a blind spot, but I now I'm saying things to him like, dad, there's nothing you could tell me that would make me love you less. Like, I want to know your weaknesses right. as well as your strengths, whereas my dad, very traditional, and I'm grateful for this, but was a positivity favoring guy like yeah. he loves stories of winning and right. and strength and all that stuff and i'm like dad did he ever shit your pants you yeah, know? Like, yeah. i, I want to know yeah i had an interesting because I, I do that now with my mother because I, I have a good relationship with her so i'll try to find out about my dad through her uh that's but, what i do with my uncle about my dad right? yeah my dad will open up but sometimes you got to go to uncle larry and he'll be like oh your father what you know yeah. all this xyz i yeah. love it uncle l Uncle L. Um, <laughs> so I would talk to my mother, but I guess at one point my dad got like uh, – he streaked through his high school at, at one point, which is so hard for me to understand. Oh, but, my God. But it made me feel good because I did that at Sears. I used to work at Sears, and my last day I streaked through the store with a bag on my head. And, you uh, did? Yeah, well, I wore – we didn't want it to be a, a um, uh, like a felony, so I bought a candy thong. Oh, at, like, wow. Like Spencer's Gift. So I yeah. had like a candy thong on and a bag yeah, on my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you eat it? Sears. No, we did not eat no. it. No, <laughs> but like it was like, oh wow, there's some of him and me or whatever. But Isn't that because those are the treasures? Yeah. When Uncle Larry tells me a story about my father that maybe my father doesn't even want me to know, I go, holy shit, that sounds just like me. Right. That's why I think talking about 34 year old Joe List, here's a recording. If you do have kids, he'll know that you shit in a shoe, and that's that's valuable. Yeah, certainly. I understand that maybe you don't want him to hear that story when he's nine. Right. But maybe when he's 15, it'll be like, look, yeah, yeah your dad was weird. My dad's a hero. My dad's he's a fucking hero. He's a shoe shedder. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an issue I have. Like, it's a thing I, I try to work on. I try to be empathetic or sympathetic, which I never know that word, but towards my dad, because like, his dad was real quiet like that. Because yeah. yeah. his dad was the same way. He was real quiet and never said any emotion. But... My dad, it's weird, like, it's almost, I, I feel bad for him because he's mentally, like I do, t- he's never been like, I'm proud of you. Like, at Letterman, he wasn't like, that was really he incredible. Came? He came. Like, he's always there, but he's not, he wasn't like, that was tremendous. Yeah. Unbelievable that yeah. you pursued this. Yeah. And now you're killing it. Yeah. Look at you. Uh, on TV. I would <laughs> love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh... Like, recently, I just, I picked him up at the train station. He, he works in the city, so he takes the train. I picked him up. 
And uh, he wasn't like, great to see you. Thanks for the ride. Like, it's something if you're like, you don't have emotions. So you're not like a conversational guy. You're very quiet. You're introverted. Yeah. But get up the thing to go, hey, great to see you. Thanks for picking me up. <laughs> and he doesn't do that. Like, I bought him. I took him to the Red Sox game the other day. He didn't say, like, thanks for taking me to the, the uh... ball game. It's very straight. Like it's, Do you it's think he's borderline saying, rude. You didn't thank me for all those diapers. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what but, you he know. Thought. What it sounds like, and I'm not here to diagnose, but it doesn't sound personal. Yeah, I think right? it's just that's what I have to be. Like, where is he coming? I feel sad for him that he's. Well, that's the not, difference uh, between empathy and sympathy. I believe is sympathy would just be like, you know, that sucks. <laughs> right. Like, reflecting back intellectually, what's happening. But I think when you have empathy, you're like. Oh, my dad, uh, to a certain extent, maybe not my dad, maybe not your dad, but we can say our dads are stuck in their dadness. They're stuck in there. Right. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and what is it like when he might be thinking, oh, my God, I went to see him on Letterman. I'm fucking killing it. Like, I, right. I'm practically French kissing my son right now because maybe that's his love language. He's right. like, being there is is the thing. Yeah. And uh, you and I are similar in that, like, I'm looking for that. I always make the joke that at the back backstage of my talk show, my parents came once, my dad was talking to Conan about how I could have been a great ball player. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, Dad, we're at my show. Like, right, I, right. I break his balls about it now. Right. But he doesn't mean it that way. I think he's saying, like, He's cool. Right, right. He's cool. He's good at bat ball. Right. And he could have done anything he wanted to. He could have done this. He could have done that. Shouldn't it perhaps. have been called bat ball? Are the bases really that important? Interesting. I mean, yeah. when I'm watching a baseball game, I'm like, look at those white things. Yeah, and the goal is to get to the plate. It's not even a base. It's a plate ball. So plate ball. <laughs> plate ball. We'll go watch the... Plate uh, ball! We'll watch the plate ball game at Barcelona. Um, <laughs> so you don't really... Your dad will come, but he won't necessarily be like, that was amazing. Yeah, I'm very lucky. My dad would always have a catch with me whenever I wanted to. He would take me to Red Sox games. He was at all my sporting events. He would come to them. And uh, he comes out to shows, and he laughs at the shows. He thinks I'm funny. Wow. But um, And he came to Letterman and stuff. But there's no uh, – I think a lot of that's my mother being like, you have to go. We have to be there. Interesting. That's a big part of it, I think. But, yeah, I don't know what my dad thinks about most – Things. Topics, yeah, it's very that's interesting. Funny, that's like a that's a dying thing, literally a dying thing. In that, like these people that are so close. I'm not saying our parents are close to the grave or anything. I'm saying they're just like if they just hold out another ten years, yeah, twenty years. Let's hope they'll die without with a lot of secrets. Yeah, that's what I, I, I think that I'm like, don't you want to? Aren't you towards the end? Don't you want to go? Hey, man, yeah. that was great. You're yeah. amazing. But I've taken him to Pearl Jam a couple times. I think he's enjoyed that. We're going to third. He likes to, Pearl Jam. Fenway. I think he likes – I tried to just be like – I stopped trying to figure out. Like he likes – he didn't get to go to concert because he had me and my sister when he was very young. Ah. And I found out when I took him to Pearl Jam, he didn't – he had never been to a concert. He confessed that to my mother. He's like, I don't know what to wear. I don't know. I've never been to a show. Oh, my god. So I like taking him to these concerts because I think they're a tremendous band. I'm like, just come watch this band. It's a three-and-a-half-hour show. I've been to like 35 Pearl Jam shows. Really? So I'm like, come with me to this. I'll take you to this. Like I'm, it's almost like I'm creating a bucket list for my dad because he has no emotion. He doesn't say what he wants to do. So I'm like, well, I'll take right, you here right. and just sit there quietly, but just watch this happen because it's magical. Does he seem content? I think so. I think in ways. I think he's just. I think that he's very insecure. I think he has a lot of what I have, but I had my mother was very supportive. Cheerleader. Yeah, and she was very like, you can go do whatever you want. And I also got really into like. Uh, 
like rock and roll, like like Bruce Springsteen was like, "Leave this town, you son of a bitch, live." Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I had that got in me, and yeah. so like I think he just didn't have those things to kind of nudge him, and he kind of he had kids very early, and was like, "Oh shit, I guess I'm just in this right. life." And How old was he when he had you guys? I guess he was. I think he was 20 when he had my sister and 24 when he had me. Maybe 19 and 23, I guess. Whoa. So they were young, yeah. And um, I think that he's just cripplingly insecure. And I am too, but I have those, those things that are like, I have to go well, do I this. wonder if you feel this then, because I know people, you know, in my extended, we have very similar backpacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have pe- I have people in my extended family, et cetera, that I'm like, oh, my God, you're like me if I didn't have stand-up. <laughs> right. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You know that feeling when you have a great set and you're just like, ah. It's, the quickest way for me to describe it is like a very fearless, not meaning I want to climb a mountain. It's just like calm. It's like I don't have any fear right. anymore for one reason or another. And there are other ways to get this feeling, by the way. But I see that and I'm like, oh, I found the right pill. It's the fulfillment pill, the, fulfill- yeah. the fulfillment. You know what I mean? Thank you, Barcelona. You take those and then sometimes I see people that would really, really, truly benefit. It could be fucking woodworking. It doesn't have to be sta- – I'm just like, I wish you found the thing that would solve whatever it is that you're feeling because I'm like you and I need a thing. Right. Yeah, I feel – like it sounds uh, maybe trite or whatever but like – Having like Bruce Springsteen when I was a kid, like, mm. hit me at the right time. Like, uh, that stuff's valuable. Yeah, it just really was a thing of like, you got that, that sort of desperation of like getting out. Yeah. And, uh, and also like Ferris Bueller's day off. Ferris Bueller was like a big, I'm like, I want to be that guy. I want to vest. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, uh, invest in, um, <laughs> in, uh, in sausage. Um, but, uh, yeah, like stuff like that, like the arts really sort of like uh, spoke to me or whatever. That's that good stuff, man. Uh, Jake, first of all, Kumail loved uh, Springsteen. I think he still does. I think that's very interesting that we have this friend that made a pretty epic move, you know, from yeah. Pakistan here. And, yeah. you know, he obviously stayed here, worked visas, and now he's here. But, like, that's a big that's a big brick, uh, Springsteen move. Yeah. But then, you know, like I remember like Jake Johansson has that joke where he goes – I lived in Iowa until I realized we were free to go, right. which is like, right. it's just a joke, Yeah, but you're like, oh shit, we need, uh, for better or worse, something that I've noticed about humans is that it's easy to remember, but it's even easier to forget that you can move in any direction. Right. I understand that there are limitations. There's this, there's the bills, there's that, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody's sick, maybe you're sick. All, there's all sorts of obstacles. Right. But like, I think we're not as trapped as we think we are yeah. in general. Yeah. And one of the first ways that that can manifest in your life is go, I don't have to stay in Whitman. Right. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I love Whitman and I love going back there. You but don't it, love it, Whitman. I'm just kidding. It helps to move. Like when you leave, you're like, oh, this is great. I love it here. There's nothing wrong with uh, leaving your home. It doesn't mean you hate it. And I yeah. actually think that that's a real thing. When I look on my Facebook and I see that 99% of the people that I went to school with still live in the surrounding towns. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. But I think we're paying homage to a thing that doesn't really care if we spill our blood on its stone or not. You know right. what I mean? Like a ceremony. Like, I love you, Brockton! Right. Does Brockton <laughs> really give a shit? Brockton is just a conglomerate of people. And right. some stay, some leave. And if you leave, you still have Brockton in your bones. Totally. And you can still go back and eat a Nick's roast beef and fucking jerk it into your old shower head. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. Nobody is judging you as harshly as you think it is. Oh. I mean... 
There's that Rumi poem where he says, I want to sing as birds sing without care of who's listening or uh-huh. how it sounds, blah, blah. The point is – I just misquoted that quote. But the point is we are more free than we think we are and we're so crippled, I think, by what will other people think. Totally. Right? Yeah. And I wonder if you even had that subconsciously when you were only going up like once a week. You're like, let's not go nuts. Yeah. Like, even that sort of like going into it hard, what will people think? Yeah. Not doing it enough. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that. Like, a lot of that is uh, self-doubt and stuff of like, I can't ever be yeah. great. I can't do that. I think I still have that to some degree. Well, people are like, what's your big plan? I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I never thought further than this. I guess well, I should because I can't be. That's Whatever funny. I want to be. That's right. That's true. That yeah. is very true. And that is – I've told this story many times, but I remember where I was the first time I thought like maybe I could be on a like a show, like on somebody else's show, like a sitcom or right. something. And I tried to kind of picture what a billboard on a bus would look like. This sound – by the way, I don't spend most of my time thinking this. This is kind of like a strange thought. Maybe that's what made it remarkable. Yeah. But I was like I could never – I'd never be on like a bus like that or on yeah. a billboard or on a TV show. Right. And it was one of those so you never will be moments where you hear your brain go, don't worry, you won't. Right, <laughs> like, right. If you can't see right. it. And then at that moment, you just start going like, no, I am one of those guys. And I literally think if we all emitted a sound, your frequency changes just a smidge. Yeah. And other people start going, even doing this podcast and talking about how Joe List can go anywhere and do whatever he wants. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you were thinking. You know, uh, you don't have to have an answer. It sounds like you don't. What was I thinking about what? Like where you're headed. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I have to try to figure that out because this sounds like insane, but the goals I've set, I've done. When I started out, I was like, I just want to be a comedian in Boston, and then I'll move to New York, and I'll travel and be a comedian. Yeah. And I I did that. (laughs) So it's like, well, I should try some other things, too. And then I was like, I'm going to be on – I went to Letterman with Gullman, his his Letterman. And I was like, I could do this. Why don't I do this? Yeah. I could be that guy. Right. And then I did that. Isn't that helpful, though, that you got to see – Gary Goldman, who's amazing, but is also a regular man who yeah. shits and eats and brushes his teeth. Yeah. And he did Letterman, and you went. Yeah. And you see a tiny-ass green room, and you see a stage manager tell him where to stand, and you're like, oh, it's not – I thought it was shooting laser beams from your eyes, but it's a thing that human people do. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a human person, and that's enabling. That's another good reason to hang out with people that are better than us. Right. And so you – it sounds like – when did you do Letterman? I did Letterman in uh, June of 2000. 14, yeah, so two years a, ago. It's been two years. Yeah. And uh, do you get an inkling in, like, what the quality of life? Do you like touring? That, maybe that's it. Maybe yeah, you I love, love it. touring. I mean, my goal is a lot of the time, too, is to perform, uh, and I know a lot of comedians say this, to people that came to see me sure. as opposed to people that went to see comedy. Comedy night. And it's it's slowly starting to happen now. Our podcast is doing well, and I've had some TV stuff. And, hey. and so, yeah. Um, like, I have, like, now I'll have, like, 12 people come out over the course of a weekend, I'm like... It's enough that the industry doesn't care, but it's enough for me to be like, it's touching. Yeah. So I would like to have that um, more and more. Perform. I'd like to do theaters where people came sure. to see me, which is a long uh, road, but I feel like I'm on that. And, um, sure. you know, I'd like to have a show. And I, ultimately, this is a th- what thing I just of, had too. Okay. Well, I'm like, I'd like to, I always wanted to be Martin Scorsese when I was a kid, but it was too much. So I was like, I'll just, pers- I'll be stand up because I wanted to do that too. But like Woody Allen, I'm like, I should start pursuing this because. It's real life, and I have one life. I should start trying to yeah. uh, make 
films, I, I think, guess. I, should I start think doing it's that. so interesting, especially in our line of work. No one believes you can do something until you're already doing it, right. which is so weird. Yeah. But that, that's been the case I find with writing and then acting yeah. is like people want to see that it's so built up in you that it's literally overflowing. Right. Nobody wants somebody that's like a cup one-eighth full with drive to make movies. Right, right, right. <laughs> they want it to be spilling out of you that it like couldn't help but happen. He wrote a script. Right. Your first great, who knows if it'll be great or not. Maybe you'll be like uh, Boondock Saints and write a killer movie. <laughs> or maybe you'll Tarantino. But like it needs to, people are so drawn to uh, self generating, self perpetuating yeah. uh, passion, right. I suppose. Right. So that's interesting. I mean, those sound like great ambitions. Yeah. So I'd like to start, yeah, just create more and, uh, and be a good person and have good art. There you go. Or whatever. There and uh, yeah, but I, I'd like to be one of those guys that puts out an album every year, or half or two years or whatever. Oh, that's great. Um, and uh, yeah, just want to be a good uh, comedian and human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purity of focus is something to praise as well. Yeah. You know, those guys, Hannibal is one of those guys that was just like, I just want to be a good stand up. Right, right. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then the TV and all that stuff. You can't not, you can't be an amazing stand up. That's not true. There are some guys that have amazing stand ups and then like they're, you hear stories, some of the best stand-ups in the world, their pilots didn't quite work out or they weren't good at hosting X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But uh, there are guys that uh, if you are good at stand-up, it kind of speaks well to almost everything else you could do within the arts. Yeah. And the stuff I want to do because it's fun, like acting and stuff. I've I've done some acting stuff. I've been a couple commercials or whatever and uh, or sketches and it's fun. I'm like, I like doing this. It's like – the the art almost removed from it. You're like, ah, it's fun. You're on set. You're saying a thing, yeah. and then I say a thing back, and then that guy's over there, yeah, and you're yeah, chatting with the crew. I'm like, I just want to do these fun it's like summer things. Camp. Yeah, exactly. It's this communal thing. People, you know, I'm filming my show now, and yeah. people ask me what it's like, and that's there's something about a group of people all pointed in the same direction. We right. all have the same goal. Yeah. Even if it's playing capture the flag, or if it's making a show, there's right. something very pure and beautiful. And it's complicated and it's simple at the same time. It's yeah. like we want this thing and we want to be funny and the other actors are there. It's very, very fulfilling in that way. Yeah. But I don't – it's not in the ways that maybe people might suspect where you're like, oh, it's good to be king. And you're like, no, it's good to be back at camp. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Exactly. Like, I want to be at camp. And you're, and you're creating. Yeah. yeah it's fun. I walked creating. by the other day. We were on our way to the cell. Mark and I and Sam Marillo and hey! we saw you um, – <laughs> We saw you uh, shooting. It was you and Marina were shooting a scene. Oh, yeah. But there was that thing. You're like, God, I want to be over there. That's yeah. so fun. Look at that. Yeah, How yeah, cool. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing to think that. that, that yeah. I guess we've already made that point. But it's like when when you're at a, where you are, it's it's totally reasonable to be like, this is going to overflow into something like that or that or that. Right. I think that's a fun thing. Where does the self-love stuff – how did you improve that I guess is what I'm interested in. Um, I think well, once the booze goes – because the booze is a drug. It's a depressant. So you're, yeah. you're piling that on top. You're just dumping like a depressant down into you. So right, like, right, Bleh. right. And then also it, 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 it affected my uh, work ethic and my ambition and stuff like that. So that all sort of – piles on that thing of like, ah, oh, you're a piece of shit. You sure. Idiot. I wonder, though, when I heard you telling those stories, if you were drinking to give yourself a reason to be able to express those darker thoughts of, I hate myself, I don't deserve love, I should be shitting an issue, I should break your table. Right. I think a lot of times, for me, believe me, this sounds cute, but for me, it'll be like, I want to eat a pizza, and then I would uh, drink to the point where I could finally eat the pizza. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good point. <laughs> Just eat the fucking pizza. Uh, but then, like, I see 
some of the more unpleasant. I, again, I haven't been drinking for a, a couple months now, but it's like I noticed in myself if I would have some unresolved issue, usually with myself, like a conversation almost I wanted to have with myself. Drinking would help me get into that gross, dark place right. where you're like, you fucking idiot, you know, like, or whatever right. it might be. Is that familiar to you? Yeah, I think there was a lot of that. And also there's a lot of like it gives you an excuse as to why you're not successful mm. at sabotaging yourself of like, well, I could be – I would be big. I would be John Mulaney if I wasn't dr- – but I, I'm, I drank yeah. and whatever. And it gave it's you funny an excuse. that he's another sober guy that doesn't drink, I mean. Yeah, but he, he was a guy that I was like, God, how did he get that success? Because he yeah. was – I think he's like a year younger than me and started it like a year or two after me. And yeah. I was like, how the hell did that happen? Right, and I was like, right, oh, right. probably he's not fucking – and this is before I even realized he was Whenever sober. Whenever I hear about like Lena Dunham or a, a lot of these young geniuses, I'm yeah. like kind of like, oh. Yeah, they don't do anything to their brain. <laughs> right, right. right. They're working on that goal and they're not, uh, you know. They're allowing the boredom, too. I, I'm interested in the th- substances that give us a pleasant feeling without actually doing anything. Right. I'm not saying there isn't a time for those. You know, uh, for me, personally speaking, like, there's time for that. But these people, when I think about Lena, for example, I'm like, I think they allow the boredom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when we were kids, we just allowed the boredom. We didn't have, like, line them up and, like, yeah. get drunk or or sleep the day away or whatever the fuck you're doing. You just have it. And that's when I was, like, making radio shows in my bedroom. And I swear to God, the G.I. Joe fights I would have until I was 18. I stopped from peer pressure, not because I wanted to. Yeah. They were amazing battles. I really remember, as I right. was doing them, being like... There are twists. Fucking Storm Shadow died and came back. Right. Who the fuck saw that happening? Right. Because Doctor Strange, I mixed the toys. You know what I mean? Like, boredom was a good thing. And I think there's something to, you know, I wake up more now and email something to myself because I'm not drinking or doing drugs and stuff. And I think there's something to that. And yeah. I, that's what I see in Lena. I might be projecting. Right. But these are people that don't fuck with substances. And y- I like that. Yeah. It's it's also you realize you're like, I want a good uh, quality of life. Because it, you, you hang out and you see like all these people that are successful. You're like, I want what, what they have. Right. I want to be able to live like that. And then that's which is another thing I was talking about with kind of age and wisdom. You start to see more like how you want your life to be. Right. And what right. You, you're like, oh, I get it. I can be that. Right. And so let me work towards that. Because that's a big thing that... It, a valuable lesson I learned is uh, Tommy Jonigan's a friend of mine, and yeah. he had that. He was good at that of like setting goals, and then what am I doing today to to reach that yeah. goal? Yeah, very Tony Robbins, but Be- yes, because yeah, I would have a lot of that. I'm like, I'd like to be on. Letterman. I'm like, how come I never get Letterman? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I've never attempted to do it. Right. That's why. Right, right, right. How come I don't have my own show? Because you haven't written a show. Right, right, right. You're not even asking anybody. Right, right, right. You're just sitting in your bedroom watching fucking yeah. whatever. I think something that I've noticed with all of these guys, Berbiglia comes to mind, Mulaney, TJ, uh, Kumail, it, there's a good mantra for all of these guys, which is zoom out. It's like, look at it and really kind of ask yourself, what do you... What do you want it to look like? Right. In every aspect. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that. I think probably because it's like a little bit cheesy yeah. or embarrassing. But I'll save you $4,000. Uh, there's a Tony Robbins thing where he's like, you write out what you want to do and then you write out what would happen if, it, if that happens and what would happen if that doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's so basic. But I would do that. Like I would be like, I want to do – a big goal of mine was to do Conan by the time I'm 30. And you'd write out like why you want to do it. And what would happen if you didn't do it? You know, right, like, right. And, and it's really right. challenging. But sometimes the human brain can be that simple. 
It's almost like you're dealing on the level of the subconscious, and your subconscious is a little bit like a child. Yeah. So bring out the crayons and the blocks and, and talk to it right. and be like, hey, dummy, we want to blah, blah, blah. Let's start imagining it. Let's start believing that. Yeah. And let's – I don't think you hit what you don't aim for yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, that's – I guess I have to figure out what else I want to do. I guess. But, you know, as as much as I think we can get into that motivational space, there's also a part of me that's like you also need to allow relaxing. It's always the middle way. Yeah. It's like I don't think we can sit and will ourselves to better careers and just, yeah. oh, I, I all I do is think all day. Right. Then you become a little bit like a robot and I think this is a head and heart business. Yeah. But I do think there's nothing wrong with going for a walk and just going like – Really, what do you want it to be? Think right. about your partner. Think about your life. Think about right. And a lot. I think these types of messages get perverted into like, I want a marble sink. Right. Get the fuck out of my face. Right. Everyone I know that has a marble sink wasn't thinking about a marble sink when right. they started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's also a, a big thing to be said about uh, taking time to be like, where I am now is amazing. And like we said earlier, it's actually the only thing that matters that's what's interesting because it's like you have to keep a balance of like where do i want to be and what do i want to do but also this is the only moment that matters so it's a weird way to balance that's exactly it and i keep trying because making a show which is what we're doing very new to me very exceptional yeah and it's easy to go like oh once these episodes are done we'll see cuts of them Mm -hmm. that'll be really cool and it's like Get the fuck out of your head for a second and just be right here and just enjoy it. Just be right here talking to you and enjoy it. That is so key. I don't know about – something I think about with my parents is sometimes I I think they could have benefited from mindfulness because that that sort of – and they grew up in much more scarce circumstances than I did. So I understand why they might be strategizing or kind yeah. of planning or, or evaluating or, or planning what you're going to eat for dinner when you're eating lunch. I understand maybe where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But I think there is something about like put it down and just be right there. And that is a huge right. key for happiness. Yeah, that's, that's uh, been a big part of my sobriety and uh, happiness is I'm big into this guy, Thich Nhat Hanh. I know familiar? Thich Nhat. Yeah, Thich Nhat. And uh, I'm, I always have one of his books on me. And that's all about sort of mindfulness. Which one? Um, Living Bood? I have – right now I'm reading uh, – actually, I had one and uh, I'm going to go ahead and name drop a second time, I guess. Louis C.K. took my book. I his, he took about your book. His daughter had anxiety and I was like, you should get her a Thich Nhat Hanh book. I was like, I have one on me. And then he was flipping through it. And uh, I jumped out of the car. I forgot to – he didn't steal my book. Sure. But I forgot that he was looking at it. Yeah. And, uh, so he has well, my technology book. You, you, you gave me the fucking book. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really do them. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, but was, yeah. It was in there. He definitely I, – I, it's on my mind all the time, that kind of mindfulness. But I had read a thing that in America we're sort of trained to not – because you go to preschool, which is to prepare you for kindergarten. Right. And then kindergarten is prepare you for first grade and so on. And high school it's called is first grade and you're like, can't wait for second grade. Right. And high school is designed to prepare you for be? college. Yeah, exactly. And then college is designed for life. And then you're like, okay, retirement. Right. You know, it's exactly. Like, so your whole life is built to this next step. That's which a great is very way. Unhealthy. Again, not in a global conspiracy way. I'm saying we're doing this to ourselves. Is it's a it's a mind made prison where mm. you're just like it's always the next thing that's going to unlock right. the thing, and all beautiful spellbinding people. I don't necessarily just mean as we were saying architecturally gorgeous people. I'm just meaning beautiful people are the people that realize that this is it. Yeah, and that is an anxiety reducer, and all of that structure of like this leads to this, and then you get in the job world, and the next promotion is going to be the thing, and the money, and the car, and I'm going to have the marble fucking sink. And it's like it doesn't matter 
and only the moment matters. And, and one of the more haunting things I've ever heard is a lot of people realize they had their ladder leaned up against the wrong wall. Uh-huh. They're climbing it, and they get to the top, and they're like, shit, it should have been on this other wall. Right, right. And it's not about progression. It's about where, where you are right now. Yeah. Obviously. And we're here having a wonderful conversation. Having a lovely one. So Tiki Knots. That's hopefully uh, entertaining people. Ah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, of course it is. It's lovely. Um, Uh, But I find one of the more interesting things is that mindfulness – actually, somebody – David Nichter, I had dinner with him recently and he was telling me that what I – Someone was talking about meditation. I do like meditating, but I like contemplating more, which is meditating on a, one idea. Right. One, one simple idea. And right. it doesn't have to be that profound. You can just trip out on being on a planet and floating in the solar system. And right. that'll, that'll calm down your beef with your friend Tim real fast. Right. If you really own that thought. Yeah. There's a, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, what are oh. your things that you like to contemplate that keep you in a good place? Well, I was just going to, um, that reminded me of what you just yeah. said about, there's an adage. Is it an adage? Yeah, a cabbage uh, adage. Okay, yeah. Eat more coleslaw. That's a cabbage adage. Um, not, not an adage. If you're in a fight with someone, just imagine them, visualize them a thousand years from now. Yeah. And it really, you're like, oh, we're going to be just long so gone, evaporate, whatever it is. Like, yeah. Or right. even 300 years from now. And you're like, oh, this is, we got to settle this because. Uh, that's, that's what Ray Romano said when he did the podcast. He goes, 100 years, all new people. Right, right. So whenever right. there's a problem, 100 years, everyone will be new. Right. All new people. And also, like, everything in the past, it's all in this thing. That is so real to us. This is very trippy. But it's the past. Yeah. Which is just, as Ram Dass likes to say, moldering butterflies. Like fire, fire butterflies. Yeah. They're burning up. It's all these memories. It's how I remember it. It's how you remember it. It's all these different feelings. How much pe- – did I have a bad slice of pizza or whatever the fuck? Uh, was I angry? Did I need to take a shit? And your emotions are being clouding the memory. And then we construct it and we rebuild it in our minds. It's so ethereal. It's so not concrete and we reference it like it's our best friend. It's like, well, that happened. It's like, right. didn't, that's just like talking about a dream. Yeah, it only exists in your mind. Right, exactly. The same with the future. You can let both go. It's trickier than it sounds, but you can let both go as soon as you realize, what are you holding on to? Right. I'm holding on to, if you want to talk from a materials level, a, a, a part of my brain that's cataloging past events that I might, like, learn from them. Or you could just, like, delete those files. It's fine. Right. It's okay. Yeah. We don't need to ho- hold on to all that. That's another uh, Buddhist adage of try to think about what you were worrying about a year ago to show you how pointless worries are. That's real good. Like, what were you worrying about one year ago today? Yeah. And, like, I have zero idea. That's... It doesn't even exist. It's nothingness. <laughs> so just don't worry about whatever you're worrying about now. That's so Because that good. won't exist at some point. That's so good. That just um, helped me right now. That's oh, so good. good. Well, you can't remember. Right. For me, like, I'll always have, like, some weird physical ailment. Yeah. That I'm like, please just make this go away. Yeah. Please go away. And then, you, you, you know, if it's something strange, like I had a little bump in my near my uvula. Yeah. It was, it was a salivary gland to turn out. But, you know, you're worried that it's some sort of cancer and of you're going to die. And as soon as it goes away... Uh, you forget it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had the same. I had the same exact thing. I had my throat hurt where I swallow like one spot when I whatever I swallowed. Yeah, I, I thought I had cancer for a month. Yeah, and now it's gone. You're like, ah, nothingness. Yeah, yeah moved exactly. Right on. You've moved on. Yeah, it's so weird. It's interesting. This is along those same lines. I think um, Tommy Jonigan had this. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Tommy. Yeah, but he had this thought. He went through a, a big breakup, and 
he had a good point. He's like, all I worried about for a year, all I thought about was that girl and that breakup. Yeah. And he's like, 100%. I had no other concerns, thoughts, or worries, this breakup. And then I got over it. He's like, so you should have zero worries on earth. Yeah. Because for the last year, you had no worries except for this one item, and yes. now it's over. So, yes. But you end up creating something else. But it's like, oh, just... I like to talk about anxiety pooling. It's like this mercury-like fluid, and it just wants to go somewhere. Yeah. And that's something that I try and go, is I'm having an irrational concern, and I go, my anxiety just wants to pool there. Yeah. I'll go like, ah, I'm worried about th- this breakup. And that's where it happens to settle. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like good. At least I know where it is. Right, For some right. reason, your brain wants to know where it is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's real. Yeah. <laughs> there's a good BS. Yeah, somehow, there's part of me that always wants to be worrying about a thing. But I, and I tell you, the first it. time I got stoned, I was so relaxed that I couldn't fall asleep until I thought of something to worry about. Yeah. Because I'm so used to, back then, I don't do this anymore, Worrying about something as I fall asleep. Yeah, it's it's because it makes you think you're doing something. Yeah. Oh, I did some good worrying. Right. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. I've been like that since I was a kid. I remember being like eight or nine years old and having a moment to stop and be like, "This, wait, what, what am I worrying about?" Yeah. It's left me, and I'm like, "Get it back in there." Yeah, you gotta, what am I yeah. worrying about? And like, that's like a weird sickness. You just have to, you know, just like all of it. I think you just have to wave to it and be like, "That's what my brain does." Yeah. And it, we can either be servants to it, or we can try, which is what all these Buddhist kind of ideas. We can try and let the mind be our servant. Right. And unfortunately, I am speaking from a soul place, separating yourself from your mind and being like, I'm not that. Right. I'm the witness of the brain. And sometimes the brain just keeps clanging bells or it won't stop playing that one kiss song. Yeah. And that's fucking annoying. Or sometimes it just keeps nagging me. Right. Eckhart Tolle would say, it wants you to worry because as soon as you stop living in the past or the future, your brain ceases to exist. And that makes it very uncomfortable. Oh, oh. So it's like, no, I'm here. I'm here. It's like a petulant little child right, right. that wants to stay in control so it's like no 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 but if you can put my favorite everybody knows is what in this moment is lacking you either I feel like you know not everybody likes that one I like that one what in this moment is lacking we, mm-hmm. we, we're always finding anxiety elsewhere right. and what if it happens most of it doesn't right but here we are you know they say worrying is like praying for what you don't want I don't think you should spend all that time contemplating right. how things could go bad the reminds me of the Mark Twain quote M.E.T. he says um I've suffered a great many hardships in my life, most of which never happened. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that Something funny? Like that. I might be paraphrasing. I think there's another one. Uh, anxiety is like pay- paying the interest on a debt that isn't yours. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like See? you're just fucking throwing it away. Right. But it's nice. We just have to retrain, and this is a lifelong pursuit, retrain your brain. You've been trained in this way, and a lot of it had to do with your survival instincts and all yeah. that sort of stuff, which is why I was trying to have compassion for the way that my parents have a hard time sometimes being in the moment is because they grew up in a time right. where things were more scarce. Yeah. And we you know, we had our own types of scarcity, or we created them. I, I'm not do- doing enough stand-up, or blah, 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 or blah, blah, blah. Will I have money? Will I live? All that stuff. And then at a certain point, you just need to realize, and this is a big one, when I talk about having a beef with a friend, and picturing us in hospital beds. Another way to do that is a good Tibetan Buddhist would say you never know when you're going to die. And the go- goal of good uh, Tibetan Buddhist is to remain present while you're dying, not to like push it away, but to merge into that experience right. almost as a gift. Uh, you need to always be conscious. Yeah. Because you never know what might be your final moment. Right. And again, this could scare you, but I could ha- – or me or someone listening. I could have an aneurysm right now. And how, how am I going to do that? 
Ram Dass talks about like if a meteorite was coming towards the earth and everyone's going to die, what are you going to do? Right. And he's funny about it. He's like, are you going to go smoke a joint real fast? Right. Are you going to try and have sex real fast? It's this preposterous idea, yet we're all on a planet with a, with a meteorite coming at us. Right, right. And really the only choice is the, the smile of the Buddha. Right. Is to be like, I am aware of that. Yeah. And that meteorite actually brings out the vivid color in this grass. Right. When I merge, when I surrender and accept uh, grace, something bigger than me, and be fully present. Right. Instead of going, ah, when I get this, this, and this. I know we talked a lot about goal setting, but that's using your mind. Right. To help you, but it doesn't need to overhelp, yeah. overtake you. Boy, this is beautiful. I feel well, great. <laughs> this ended up being like a little meeting, a little meditation. I meeting. don't know why people don't talk about it more. Yeah. Because literally, if you're having dinner with your girlfriend, when two people decide to be present together, it's so much. It can be so much fun. Yeah, it's delightful. And yeah, yeah to, to I also like to meditate and contemplate the impermanence, as they ah, say. There you go. Like, yeah, we're not. We're not going to be here. We're going to be old. And and it's also that people like to use uh, this too shall pass. About uh, the bad things. Yeah. It's fun to do that with the good things, too, when you're feeling great after a TV. Like, this will pass as well. This is, That's right. So just stay, try to stay even. That's You it. know what I mean? And well, not get too high or too low. I've been talking. Dove Davidoff uh, did a part on my show. He was awesome, and, and he loves this type of stuff. He did, a, he did the podcast years ago. But we were talking about something that old D.P. Chopes, Deepak Chopra, told me which is having a non-circumstantial happiness. Mm-hmm. This makes no sense, especially in our Western culture. It's all about like, I have the new iPhone and I got the gold one and I, I'm happy. And we put that into our incinerator and it flashes up and it burns and the feeling is gone. Yeah. And he's like, any sort of circumstantial for Tommy Jonigan, as long as this girl doesn't break up with me, I'm happy. That's a circumstantial happiness. And that's actually another type of misery. Right. It's because you're living in this fear that this thing that, you know, at some point, will happen. You'll either break up or one of you will die. So right. don't cling on to that either. Right, right. But having just blissing out, and this sounds so stupid and maybe even cheesy, but blissing out on the quality of being. Yeah. That feeling when, you, when you're having a dream and you realize you're dreaming and you're like, ah, everything's so exciting. Right, right. That's a good level of happiness, being like, holy shit, Joe is here. Right. You're you all the time. And now we're here together. Right. The many billions of different things that had to happen to get us both together here at this time. And this smells like 2016 on a right. fucking Saturday. And it's, it's playing. This is all live. Right, right. The cars, the traffic, the birds, the clouds, everything is live. Yeah. That is blissing out on being. Yeah. And it's not – this is something I just figured out. It shouldn't feel like effort. Because sometimes when I'm trying to be present, I feel my brain clench. And David Nickturn, again, we had this great dinner. He was talking about you only get exhausted because I was telling him how exhausting it can be to remain present. Because I think you're only exhausted when your brain is working, opposing itself, Uh when it's like two hands pushing into each other. I forget he had a nice word for that. But so he's right. I'd be present and then I'd be present for like a negative thought or present for a non-present thought. And then I would go like, no, and like clench, like clenching your ass muscles and go, be present. Yeah. It's not that. Right, right. These these enlightened people, these Thich Nhat Hans aren't whipping themselves when they step out of it for a second. Right. They're saying yes to all of it. and they're They're eating it all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Let let your thoughts come, but don't serve them tea, as they say. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Let your thoughts come. That's, that's like uh, Liz Gilbert talking about fear in the car or anxiety in the car. Or Jeff Garland on the podcast talking about waving at your anxiety, yeah. waving at your fear. It's okay. When you're opposed and you go, I shouldn't have that anxiety. Right. 
you're you're slapping it with one hand and feeding it with the other. You're right. like, stick around because you're getting what you want. Right, out of right. <laughs> There's another great uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, and this just turned into a whole Buddhist podcast. Tiki Nhat. I love it. Tiki Nhat. But Thich Nhat talks about treating like your anxiety as a like giving it like you said wave to it like um, sort of like. It's almost like a crying baby. If you picked up a crying baby, immediately it feels better because it's like, oh, okay, I'm being taken care of, I'm yeah. cradled. And that's how you have to try to treat your um, anxiety. I look mm. at it like, hello, I know you're there and you're that's part it. of me that's and you're it. inside of me. But right now, it's I need beautiful. you to stop crying because I have to go do Conan. You can do so that's it. That's it. That's shut it. the fuck up. That's right. But you kind of go, I-, I love you and you're part right. of me. You're inside of me and it's a part of you. I love all of you. That's but it. right now, you need to not be crying. I'm going to look up a quote that I took a screen grab of. But, but it's that idea that you make peace with your ego. You make mm-hmm. peace with your mind. Love is never not the answer. So when you Agreed. go like, shut the fuck up, anxiety. Yeah. Get out of here, fear. It's so much better to say, hey, fear, I get it. Right. This is scary. Stand right. up is a fight or flight thing. Or yeah. you have to break up with your girlfriend. These are frightening things. And I get it. You are here to keep me out of traffic. Right. You are here to make sure that I have food. Motherfucker, you are a remnant of millions of years of evolution. Evolution, exactly. And I appreciate you. Yeah. I, it, you're just part of my car. Right. And I see you. And I'm not mad at you. But you need to get out of the way. Right. Here's the uh, Rami D quote that I found. One doesn't have – it has God a lot. Let's just – I don't, I don't okay. mind a God. You don't mind? All right. I don't want to turn anybody off. Uh, one doesn't have to beat down one's ego for God. That isn't how it works. The ego isn't in the way. It's how we're holding the ego. It's much better to just do spiritual practices, open to God, love God, and trust your intuitive heart. As the transformation happens, the ego becomes a beautiful instrument which is available to you to deal with the world. Uh-huh. So that's, that's making an alliance. Yeah. That's so much better than uh, you know, evicting it. Right. Because you can't. Right. And you shouldn't. No evict. It's good. Can't evict. That's what Duncan Trestle taught me, and I've, I've made the point many times. I can't stop making it because it really changed my life. It's like you can't send your ego, which is like your bodyguard. Mm. It got you friends. It got you laid. It got you funny. It did all these great things for you. And then when it's making you anxious, you can't be like, get the fuck out of here. Right, right. I'm trying to be enlightened. Right. He's there too. Yeah. This as well. Yeah, I'm part of you as well. Get in here. Yeah. Come on and sit down. But he doesn't have to like punch you in the nuts all the time. There's We can put boundaries around these things. Yeah. And if you figure out how, let me know. <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. I'm happy to say that it does work. Yeah. Having conversations like this, reading things like that you're reading, yeah. I find a cumulative effect. Yeah, totally. And I, I, if I stop, I, I lose it and I have yeah. to go back to it. And then with like Thich Nhat Hanh books and a lot of other Buddhist type books, as soon as I'm reading it, I feel calm again. I'm like, ah, like it takes one sentence. That's like, it. Here I am. Isn't that funny? We're fine. Yeah. That's what I, this is why the spiritual or, or whatever type of books these are, uh, why people keep buying new ones. Right. You really only need one. Exactly. <laughs> Especially Thich Nhat Hanh, they're all... They're all the same. Essentially the same, yeah. Well, Ram Dass, my favorite. Yeah. The same. Who, who, oh, who do you keep saying? Ram Dass? Ram Dass, yeah. You'll love a, a good Ram I don't Dass. know. Is that two names? Ram Dass? Ram is, means God and Das means servant. Oh, of, okay. So Krishna Das is a servant of Krishna. Ram Dass is a servant of God. Gotcha. Uh, all those different guys. Um, Richard Alpert from Harvard. Okay. From, I believe he's from Newton. Took acid in the 70s. The whole Tim Leary, you know, Timothy Leary? Yeah, of course. He was Tim Leary's, like... Tim Leary kind of went this way in a very, like, kind of rebellious, very exciting rock and roll kind of approach. And Ram Dass went to India, met a guru, and uh, came back and wrote Be Here Now. He gave all these lectures. Oh, okay. Highly recommend. Experiments in Truth on iTunes. It's probably the best thing I ever heard. Changed my life. Oh, wow. All right. Great. He'll say things like... uh, 
you know, the soul, again, meaning your essence. These words can be tricky. I understand that people clench totally, yeah, things course. like soul. But yeah. I'm talking about the witness. So you, when you go like, I'm hungry, the thing that's observing your brain having that thought is you, is your right. essence. He calls it the soul. He goes, your soul doesn't have any attractions or aversions. It doesn't like or dislike things. It just observes them in your ego. Right. So I think that's great. Right, right. When I'm in a car and I'm like, I wish this cab driver would turn the radio down when it's the commercials, my essence doesn't give a fuck about that. Right. When I can really tap into it. But when I'm stuck in my brain, I'm like, this fucking ass. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's very liberating for some of the anxieties I have. Yeah. Interesting. You'll love him. Well, I think you would love him. This is a very enlightening conversation <laughs> here. I thought we were going to be just yucking it up and hoo-hahs, and yeah. we're, we're getting to the bottom of how to Are live. you familiar with this podcast? <laughs> we do this every episode, oh, except well. Mark Norman. I love I'm it. I'm just kidding. Uh, Mark was great. He lies a lot, though, doesn't he? He uh, told me he does. I, well, if he told you he does, then I will <laughs> say Was sure. that a lie? Um, I just remember he told me some really unbelievable stories, and I think about that episode, and I'm like, were those true? Uh, I think that he likes uh, hyperbole and exaggeration <laughs> for comedic effect. And um, eh. But um, yeah, I, let's not talk about Mark. I don't want to put you in a tough spot. Oh no, I mean I love Mark more, than, and he's got he's got a lot. Of, he's in therapy. He's doing a lot. Oh of good. And uh, but he is. I love Mark because he is pure comedy. He is funny all the time. Yeah, he's a great guy. And, great uh, funny guy. He is funny in every single way you can be funny. I really opened it with a negative thing. But really, we should just yeah. talk about how great because he is really great. And also, I love Mark. Uh, he's having a great time. Seinfeld said this, and I completely agree. Like sometimes when people say things, you're like, "That's exactly how I feel," and people will attribute this to you. But yeah. I felt the same way before. The most I'm quoting him and myself, I guess. The most disappointing thing as experience in life, and this goes with what we're talking about, is how few people are having a fun time. Mm. How few people are actually enjoy or even attempting to enjoy themselves. Yeah, yeah. People are so stressed and angry and cranky and bills. And I know there's a lot to be worried about, but you meet so few people that are really like, let's have some fun here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mark is one of those people. Oh, that guy's having it, yeah. a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's great. You're like, all right, let's have, we get together. It's like, right. let's fucking have some fun here. And so I, I love people like that because there's really disappointingly few amount of people so that are few. having enough fun, I think. Completely agree. And, and I'm trying to be more of a person like that. But Yeah. I, I'm sure there's people easy. listening to this going, hey, fuck you. I have kids and bills and you're out there working 20 minutes a night or whatever you piece <laughs> of shit or whatever it is. But I understand that as well. But yeah, I get that. I get that. It's that fear, though. You know, you're, you're afraid. I catch myself. Like that one of the last times I smoked pot, I was walking around and really getting to know the part of me that doesn't like being outdoors or in restaurants. I'm just like, this is where things happen. Yeah. That sort of caveman, literally caveman instinct where it's like, we got to get back to the cave. Right, right. We need four walls and food source and right. light, which yeah. is the TV. But those people that are like, no, this is it. That can own the moment and be like, we should be doing it. Like, I always just think of it like a dream. If you realize it's a dream, then you realize you're limitless and you can kind of do whatever. And some people look at life that way. Right. And, and you see someone and you're like, why wouldn't I talk to them? Yeah. If it were a dream, I would. Right, right. If it were a dream, I'd do this. Right. And what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I also, you know, when things go bad, I often, I like to think the universe is playing with me. That's been something I've been saying lately. So if something goes goofy, I'm just like, it, it instantly changes my perspective. Yeah. Instead of it being like, oh, I wanted to get to the airport and the cab was late and now I might be late and I get angry and I take it personally and I'm upset and everything is conspiring against me. You're just kind of like, no, this is the cosmic joke. Right. I think I'm very important. 
Yeah. In 100 years, I'll be gone. Yeah. And I think the show is important. I think getting to the airport is very important. I'm very worried. And then as soon as I go like, no, this is just like a joke. Like I am being joked with, not for no reason, but to continue the refining process of me waking up to the play that this is. Yeah. The joke. Right. Not in the meaningless bad way, but this is just like – this is like a dream and I'm making it painful. <laughs> right, right. Right. Interesting. What do you think now? Uh, we always end – we're at 90 minutes now and we always talk about God and stuff. Were you raised Catholic by your parents? No. My dad was Catholic. My mother was Protestant. We were rela- raised – raised? We were raised. <laughs> um, no real uh, religion at all. My – my dad was like – he wasn't uh, sexually abused, but he was like hit with – the nuns would you know, hit him. This is back in the sure. 60, early 60s. So I think he kind of resented that situation. Why? Of like, um, <laughs> he was like, we're not, we're not doing that. And then uh, my, I remember going to church when I was really young. We went like Sunday school when I was like a kid. But there was no – my parents are sort of um, – I think my family sort of – they believe in God and stuff, but no one goes to church in my family. Mm-hmm. I was uh, baptized – as a babe? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, and we have friends, uh, Reverend Houston, we have friends that are religious, but no real, uh, there's no like prayer, praying. There's no <laughs> prayers or praying or anything like that. So, praying home companion. But um, I've always, I've never, I've been sort of like a, I guess an atheist. I never believed in God really. But I do, but uh, I have like, I call, I use the word God as, to me, I'm going along with what we're talking about. To me, that we're floating here and not falling off the earth and the mm. sun is – we're the perfect distance from the sun mm. and there's food to eat and there's human beings is miraculous to me. So mm-hmm. I call the whole thing God. Right, right, right. I say thank God, this, all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are God and yeah. the planet and the, all this stuff is one – It's all piece of the same thing. Yeah, it's a miraculous thing. I don't really uh, believe in a guy watching us or anything sure. like that, but I believe that it is – miraculous that we're rotating around the sun and we are attached to the ground somehow. And, right. Um, it's funny, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable and awesome. So you're having like a, a scientific but uh, appreciation of the relative miraculousness. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a, a, a spiritual uh, guy. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm yeah, grateful But you don't need a story to get you there. Mm-hmm. You can... I think a lot of people will use science, and appropriately so. It's a, it's a, it's a great choice. Yeah. It's a factual choice. It's a wonderful choice. Yeah. That can become the story. Right. I'm not saying not true. I, I think there are a lot of not literally true stories that help people get to the same kind of profound truth. And a lot of other people use science, which is true, right. to get them there. That becomes their vocabulary right. for getting into a worshipful space. I have to imagine the people that invented the Hubble telescope, probably some guy named Hubble, looked <laughs> through it and felt – Transcendent. Yeah. Not in a metaphor way, like I felt the spirit move. He looked through a thing and felt chills that he understood as a chemical being released by his brain, but he felt his scope, and that was probably very similar to a religious experience. Right, right. And has the benefit of being uh, quantifiable and objective and all that, all that goodness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have no religious affiliate, but I, I mean, I'm very big into Buddhist, which I forget is. A religion, so sure. it's like um, I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's fair to call myself a Buddhist, but I'm certainly my life has changed as yeah. a result of um, you dabble in Buddhist the Buddhist books. arts. Yeah, I is enjoy it a religion? Them. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. I always feel like Buddha was so kind of groovy and not clinging. Yeah, that I don't think he would be like, but join my group. Yeah, it's, that's what's <laughs> interesting about it. Yeah, it's a fascinating. Uh, it doesn't want you, but it doesn't not want you either. Yeah, you're just there. And in that moment, 
I think labels are very interesting. I'm a Buddhist. And like we were saying, when? Did you just read something? Right. When you were quoting some of those things earlier, people listening were momentarily Buddhists. Right. And in that moment, it was very real. Yeah. That that was their belief. And we talk about how we lose that, and then we have to keep studying it and holding it in our brains. Otherwise, it goes away. Right. That's interesting. But what about uh, death? Death over? Lights out? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. I mean, that's my um, sort of thought. I feel like when you die, it's exactly like it was before you were born. And mm. I feel like when before you're born, we feel like we have some attachment because there's history recorded and we know it. I know that the Red Sox lost to the Reds in the 1975 World Series mm-hmm. and there's video of it. So I'm like, ah, I was part of that kind of before. Mm-hmm. But... I didn't exist. I didn't have thoughts before then, and it'll right. be death will be just That's what like Dana that. Dana Carvey said. He said, "Where were you during the Renaissance? Wonderful, anxiety-reducing little thing to contemplate." Right. So, where it, were you during the Renaissance? Yeah. Why would you worry about that? It feels like we're affiliated with that, but in reality, we weren't. We weren't there. So, right. I feel like it is, which is scary to me. Except then you think you're like, yeah, but you won't. It's not scary because there won't be anything to right. me. Right. But maybe there will be. I would love that. I would love. Sure. That unless it sucked, right. I would hate that. Right. Um, but um, I now that we've cleared that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's nice, I'll enjoy it. If it's not, um, so but, you yeah. know, your 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 man uh, Buddha though, remembering his thousands of incarnations and the reincarnation thing, not really your cup of tea that we don't serve our worries. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I like his theory that you know a cloud is gone, but it's not. It's become rain right. or turned into something else. Right. So I hope right. that that. Is uh, the wave is gone, but it really just got sucked back into yeah. the whole thing. I don't know uh, if I'll have uh, thoughts. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. But it's very Buddhist of you, actually. Uh, not actually. I should, maybe it's uh, on purpose. It's just like that's that was never his concern. Yeah, Buddha's concern was always to end human suffering. Yeah, and human suffering was desire, and and a desire to know what's going to happen when you die is just another fucking clinging for control and power and comfort right and he's like no let all of it go yeah let me be like you said i want to be present when i'm dying and then i'll be present for whatever what does it matter what does it matter right what changes for you to have a philosophy on it or not right i personally enjoy it it's it's kind of one of my passions to talk about death and and to contemplate death like you have and all that but at the end of the day you know it came up earlier richard Rohr. (coughs) excuse me richard Rohr. Said that when he leaves like a nine-day silent retreat, he's a Franciscan friar, he comes out and he always has one thought, which is I don't need to read any more books. Everything that I need to know is in me. Not because he studied it, but because he is it. You are wise. You know things, but you are wise. So you know it. You have it. And then obviously that wears off after a while. So it's just kind of like an interesting game that we're playing with this oneness, with this awareness, with this God or with this peace, whatever you want to call it, where – we come away from it, we go towards it, we come away from it, we go towards it, and then we die. And we go, was I towards it more than I was away from it? Right. Or did it matter? Yeah. Who, who knows? Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I get trouble because with the religious part that when religion comes in this country, when it comes into policymaking and oh, yeah. um, you know, well, hatred for homosexuals and yeah. stuff because of some sort of religion, that stuff makes me uh, ill. Uh, ill and yeah. angry. And, and, um, no, it's a wonderful, liberating thing. I would have hated myself now, but there's something wonderful about being like, yeah, that's, those aren't with me. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even Bible verses. Yeah, that one's not with me. Yeah. That one does not make the cut anymore. Yeah, that stuff is, uh, <laughs> is troubling. Or like with like climate change of like, no, no, that's not a thing. And right. it's not in the Bible and God will save us. That stuff makes me like, well, well 
fuck It's me. just fear, you know what I mean? I, I think. It's yeah. like people want answers. People want boxes t- ticked off and right. checked off. And uh, that stuff gets real ugly. Yeah. Real gross. So. But it sucks because it, it's, it's a little bit like the pornification of sex. It's like sex is this wonderful thing. Right, right. And then you see a porn clip that just makes you feel dirty because – you know, there's weird accents, and you're like, what, "Was this even? Yeah, were there contracts? Like, what's going on here?" <laughs> right. And that happens to all wonderful things. Yeah, Every, music can be transcendent, and you know, I think I'm supposed to make fun of Nickelback, but right. If I'm being honest, I enjoy some of their songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think all that shit sounds the same. Yeah, uh, and I don't really like it, but uh, yeah, beautiful, lovely. Yeah. So we always talk about God. Then we talk about something lighter to cleanse the path. Oh, great. How about I didn't offend? I, I feel like the, the, me? the down, yeah. You offended me? I got, well, you, 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 your, your mood, you were like, well, we always do. And I was like, shit, did I say something bad? No, how silly. Oh, good, okay. Have great. you read The Four Agreements? I have, yes. Do you remember the first one? Mm, I don't think I do. Don't take it personally. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't take anything personally. I was literally just thinking, did you have anything else that you were saying that I interrupted that I needed to remind you of. Oh, good. I think, no, I think I'm good. You didn't defend me. No, good. Glad to hear it. Uh, That's very sweet of you. I get nervous. No, this has been great. In fact, I like to normally end with like, do you feel good? You feel good? Oh, good. I feel, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I feel great. No, we're not ending. I'm just saying you feel good about everything thus far? I I do. I feel, I feel tremendous. See, just like being present with somebody, you can also just literally one for one, needle right on the record, check in. How's it going? Yeah. You don't have to be in therapy for someone to be like, how do you feel right now? Yeah. Like, is this okay? No, I feel great. Good. I've enjoyed this very much. I have too. I have very much. Uh, the, the question that we do uh, to lighten things up at the end is I ask, can you remember one of the times you laughed the hardest in your life? And I always like to say, I'm not asking you to tell me a great story. I just want a memory of a time that you laughed. Oh, totally. I remember her well. I was a <laughs> Sunday night at the old Comedy Connection in Boston in Faneuil Hall. Oh, man. And I went to see Brian Regan. And uh, the big yellow one is the sun. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I brought my uncle who had never seen or heard of Brian Regan. I was just like, "This is the funniest guy." I wonder because I saw Brian Regan at the Comedy Connection. This was probably oh four oh five maybe. Okay, and uh, and he was doing well, but he didn't sell out the Sunday show. There was room for like comedians to hang out in the back. Oh wow! And um, so it was, I guess, yeah, eleven or twelve years ago. And I remember just and my I always speak in hyperbole, so my buddy was like, "Oh, the funniest guy." I'm like, "No, no, but this really is." The funniest guy. Yeah. And we went, and I don't even remember the bit, but I remember laughing so hard that I had to look away and close my ears because I felt sick. I was like, it, oh it went from God. enjoying myself to like, this is now... I'm in danger. Un- I'm unhappy <laughs> that I'm laughing too hard. And I had to take a break. I was like, I got to just take a bit off. Oh, the ultimate co- comedian compliment. You're plugging your ears and looking away. Yeah, and it's the only time that's ever happened like that. And it was. I remember just being magical because... People start laughing when people, someone's killing that hard. People are laughing at how hard other people are laughing. Like people were looking yes. at me and they're like, he, that's hilarious. And then everyone's looking at each other like, we're all, this is insane. That's it. That's this it. is euphoric. We're losing our minds yep. laughing. Yeah, and that's why comedy is always better live than it'll ever be on TV. Of course, yeah, it's it's hard to watch specials I, because I, I know how much better the performance was and is than that's it right. is on TV. And Seinfeld just told Judd just did uh, comedians and cars. I don't know if it'll make the episode, but Seinfeld was talking about like how going to a show people will remember their whole lives, but watching a special is just kind of like, eh, yeah, that's a good point. It's not a special. Yeah, turn yeah. it off halfway. Yeah, fell asleep. But, like, I saw Cosby when I – I know. But I saw Cosby oh, when please. I was, like, t- at 10. Yeah. It fucking changed my life. Yeah. 
And I still remember it. Still remember jokes. Yeah. Remember where we sat. Right. You know what I mean? It was fucking crazy. Yeah. So he has a point. Yeah. And here you are telling that story. I remember, I think they're looking into like virtual reality stand-up. We put on goggles and you're in the club sort of thing. And I'm like, I don't know. It might be awesome. Yeah. It's trying to tap into that. But there's something about feeling literally like seeing someone spit, like yeah. flying from their mouth. Right, right. Like fucking weird, almost like Woodstockian yeah. <laughs> you know, carnage no. of someone mowing down an audience. Yeah. Jake Johansson, I saw him in Vernon Hills Zanies, and he killed from word one, and he didn't stop until an hour and 15 minutes later. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this guy just mowed us down. Yeah. I st- you know, I'm a good headliner. I, I really do. But, like, there'll be one pocket. I'll talk about it. Yeah. Where, like, we've kind of gone off-road. Yeah. Then they're the guys, and you're, like, one of these guys that just fucking do an act and get into it and crush for an hour. Oh. Well, thank you. But, yeah, it's it's magical watching a show like that. And, yeah. like I said, you start looking to other people, and you're like, look how hard that guy's Yeah, laughing. that's it. And then you make this weird eye contact where you're like, we're happy. That's you're, it. It's like a stranger. Right. You're like, wow, we are really loving this. If you're on a roller coaster, I highly recommend turning your neck to the right or the left, depending feels very unnatural, but look at the person you're with. Yeah. It, I'll never forget, it was Mark Fillion, who had Six Flags, guy I went to college with, and I looked at him, and the look on his face, he was crying <laughs> and drooling a little bit. Yeah. And he was, you know, I, I don't even think, knew he, he, I don't think he knew I was looking at him. He looked like you were tickling a baby. Right. In right. a room filled with helium. Instead right. of, you know, or laughing guests. Like, just the most unadulterated Pure and it made me. It's literally one of my fondest like laugh memories. Yeah. seeing someone else's face on a roller coaster. Same thing. You had a live comedy show. God help me if there's like a, a, a bigger. Like, I don't know why I was thinking a particular memory of seeing a big black woman laughing. Yeah, I don't think I was even watching the show anymore. I was watching her. Right, right. It's like that Chewbacca mask video. I was just like dying. Not at her, enjoying her joy. Right, right. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it's the best. It's a, it's a good feel. I do that sometimes while like we're talking about me- meditation and, and contemplating. I'll do that where I, I cycle through all the people I love and I picture them because I've seen it at some point or another. Yeah. Picturing all of them laughing the hardest I've ever seen them yeah. laughing. And it really warms my soul yeah. to think about like my mother dying laughing yeah, or my dad yeah. or whoever it is. It's really a, a fun thing to do. That's ah, great. Do it As soon as you're done with this, sit with your eyes closed and visualize everyone you love laughing as hard as you can imagine. Yeah, God, I'm doing it while we're talking. Yeah, it's, it's, like, really it's nice. special. It feels great. And to be part of a business where that's the, that's the goal and that's yeah. what we're doing is right. really magical. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. Joe List, the podcast is called Tuesdays I'm Horny. <laughs> Tuesdays with Stories. Um, <laughs> Bobby Kelly calls it Mondays with Murray. Um, <laughs> Tuesdays with Stories, it's uh, with Mark Norman. It's real ridiculous. Hey! We don't uh, talk this serious or philosophical. I hope not. I, no. I, I need this part of the market. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very irreverent. So if, if you take things, don't. Uh, oh no, this we could have gotten the, the 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 weirdos, the people that listen. They'll, they'll go. They'll they'll either surf or ski. But I do enjoy these conversations. Oh no, I, I enjoy this immensely. I just I like to warn people because we they I don't want to you know we're talking about coming in each other's assholes or whatever. Sure, the hell. Sure, and then sure. people are like, what is this nonsense? This is supposed to be a Buddhist for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's all silly, including coming in assholes. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's all very silly. It's all silly. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Joe. We always have the guests say uh, "keep it crispy" at the end, uh, so you you may take us out with a good "keep it not a good." Just say it. Oh, keep it crispy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Tuesday fifteen, so crispy. 
Now leaving Nerdist.com.